Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the Holy Trinity, the rest of the K-Fabe crew, the patron saint of the Rock Flock, Mr. Jesse Baker, and Wex breaking the Lawson. How we living, boys? How we doing? Dude, I cannot complain at all. Uh, I want to give a real quick plug here. An upcoming event on Saturday, March 13th at the Stables in Centerville, Tennessee, only about an hour away from Nashville. Revive Pro Wrestling presents the Fighting Spirit Tournament. It's a return of an older concept of a Nashville-centric, Southern-centric wrestling show. And this time, it is a benefit for the family and the funeral expenses of the late Tommy Lee Davis. We'll be having a 6 p.m. bell time. It is an all-ages event. Ten bucks gets you in. Kids five and under are free. Masks and social distancing are required. Please come join us. And for a full list of the participants that have been announced thus far, stay tuned to the end of the show. And if you don't do that, listen, go follow to uh, Revive Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Wax, how you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing all right. The, the best I can be uh, with what's been going on lately. Yeah. Recently, about last week, early last week, we lost a good friend in the Nashville wrestling community and just in the Nashville community period. Uh, Josephus Hudson, jo- Joseph Josephus, but yeah, he was a good friend, mentor to a lot of people, and it's been a big bummer. But you know, anytime I'm doing anything related with wrestling in the past couple like week or anything, you know, a little bit rough at first, but you know, wrestling also heals. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big shout out to Josephus. He meant a lot, not only to the Nashville scene, but I mean, he was especially on a hot streak, too. You know, I mean, I think the sky was the limit for that guy and he was going to be in the business for years and years to come. He will be sorely missed. Uh, that's that's an know. understatement right there. He's yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, I feel I feel honestly just kind of gypped that we didn't get more Josephus content. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But um. But yeah, guys, we got a ton of content to cover today. It's an all nostalgia show, and you guys know how much I love those. Today's show, we are going to be going back 20 years. It's WCW Super Brawl Revenge. It's the second to last ever WCW pay-per-view, and it happened right here. That's right, right here in good old Nashville, Tennessee. That's my cheap pop. Um and then it's going up against another, I guess, honestly, Tennessee Nashville-based company. It's going to be TNA against all odds in a 10-year comparison from 2011. Man, and this one, like, 2011 TNA had a lot more stars than I remember them having. Uh, Jesse, a broad overview on doing a double nostalgia show. How do you feel about putting these two together? Dude, I love the double nostalgia shows. It's interesting to look at the two separate, you know, 20 years back, 10 years back, both from, at their time, number two companies, albeit obviously different in scope. But uh, a lot of interesting facts about both shows, a lot going on. I'm stoked, man. Wex, what do you think about putting this old WCW up against uh, TNA? At first, I was a little just kind of confused thought it was kind of a weird comparison there's a lot of parallels and a lot of stuff similar to like both of these shows which yeah i didn't really expect it but then when you think about how late in wcw it does kind of make sense a lot of the same people pretty cool yeah yeah i'm really pumped to get into it so let's just jump right in here we're gonna go all the way back 20 years to start us off here. It's WCW Super Brawl Revenge 2001. Man, you got to love the Nashville crowd here at the Municipal Auditorium. Um, that's, a, that's a far cry from the arena, that's for sure. 
Uh, we got old Tony Schiavone or Schiavani. Schiavani. What is it? Ski- Schiavone. Oh, that's right. Tony Schiavone and Scott Hudson on the call. Uh, liked hearing Scott. Like they had pretty good work actually throughout the show. I thought Scott was was one of the uh, glowing points of this entire show actually. Uh, but yeah, in the opening segment, Animal takes out Kidman, so he's out of the cruiserweight six way. Uh, Wex, what do you think about this open, the Nashville crowd, this whole uh, WCW vibe? I was definitely digging the Nashville crowd. Uh, saw a lot of a lot of Tennessee Titans gear because this was 2001. This was actually yeah the year after the Super Bowl round, but we still had a good run in 2000. But uh, anyways, lots of mullets in the crowd. Very you could ve- tell it was yeah, 2001. Baby. I saw a guy in a FUBU jersey that like came all the way down to his knees. It was a yes. good time. Quality fashion from Nash Billions 20 years ago. Man, Jesse, what do you think about this open here? I always love seeing these old shows when they took place at home and seeing the Muni back when people, when it was just lively and stuff, especially now that we haven't had crowds for so long and just seeing that kind of energy. It's definitely very 2001. Interesting times here. Uh, This show falls on the same day that Dale Earnhardt died, which definitely being that this was in the South and stuff had to have an adverse effect on buys, you would think. Um, and another interesting Nashville fact about this show, the dark match would see Wildcat Chris Harris get a win over Kid Romeo. Yeah. Wow. That's, oh, uh, really? That's something there. Got to get that. Got to get that Nashville boy some shine. Got right. to pay off those uh, all those uh, Burt Prentice favors that he's. Uh, <laughs> he's... <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes, indeed. Let's jump right into match number one on the card. It's uh, nothing happening. Evan Courageous versus Jamie Noble versus Kaz Hayashi versus Jimmy Wang Yang. Although I think he was just Yang at this point um, versus Shannon Moore versus Shane Helms for the cruiserweight championship. Is it number one contendership? Yeah, Is that yeah, what it was? Number one, yeah. Number one yeah. contender. Number one contendership. Yeah, man. Je- uh, Jesse, what do you think about this uh, cruiserweight six way? I have. So many notes from this match, and I tried to make them concise. I'm obviously not going to go through all of them. What I found interesting here, apparently a lot of these talents were exposed to WCW by the efforts of Chris Canyon. And I know Kaz Hayashi came from the relationship with Sonny Ono and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that kind of stuff is – that's always interesting to me to see how they landed where they landed and yeah. how that cruiserweight division came up in WCW because this is such a blueprint for a lot of what we have seen up until today. Um, not the clothing, though. The clothing, very 2001. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Just epitome. And um, the hair. I did – the concept, again, is one of those four-corner elimination things with six guys. Uh, it's a little convoluted. You got three different tag teams in play, but it's every man for themselves. Interesting enough, these both used to be six-man tags together with Evan Courageous in three count and Jamie Noble as part of the Young Dragons when they still had uh, Leia Meow and uh, before that. um, There's so much great double teamwork by three count, though, and they're really the only team that does a ton of it. There are a couple of shines from the other two teams, but really most of the double team maneuvers, like the airplane spin neck breakers and – you know, yeah. the flapjack powerbomb and stuff, like the, all that fun stuff by three count, I thought was extremely impressive and fluid. And it kind of just added to the storytelling of them eventually having to be, you know, having to go against each other. Yeah. And that's one thing I thought they did a great job of inside of this match. Not only did you have a whole lot of athleticism and a lot of what you would call high spots now, but I mean, think back to 2001, 
how often were we seeing anything even close to that on mainstream television? No, totally. Absolutely agreed. And um, the botches are definitely <laughs> going to be a point of focus for everybody. But I got to yeah. be honest, there were a couple of really bad ones. Don't get me wrong. But for everything that went on in this match, it doesn't piss me off. And I, it, yeah, I agree. I, it, oddly, I agree. Yeah. It made it seem a little bit more realistic to me and made the risk seem a little bit more prevalent. Uh, Shannon Moore had one of the most beautiful top rope springboard moonsaults to the outside that I've ever seen. That motherfucker got air like crazy. Yeah. There were a, a thousand moves that I could point out, but I mean, we all know. All I'm going to say is that you should definitely go watch this match. This is definitely my beer run match of the week. Like, if you're going to watch one match from either of these shows, I would recommend it's this one. I thought Jamie Noble was such a standout in this as well. Um, I always love seeing the Vertebraker, which will take us to the W. And man, to no surprise, I had to give it all six beers. Wow, all six. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the match, but I couldn't go all six on it. Um, yeah. Wex, where are you at with uh, with this, this opening WCW Cruiserweight six-way? Well, my title for this was the fucking Cruiserweight clusterfuck because the rules just didn't, like... I just didn't get it. Like they were teams, but they weren't teams. Like it was all clustery and fucky until people started getting eliminated and it started going like getting less people. Then it started getting a little better. And like Jesse pointed out when it came down to the hurricane and courageous at the end, it made sense. But before that, it didn't really make much sense because of how fucking crazy it was. And that one little sequence that courageous and Wang Yang had against each other, they were just like not connecting on anything. Was that, it wasn't was really, that a little shoot ski? there for a second with them dude i, I think oh, I it was think just, so. dude it was bad i, I think I it was think just so. bad like it was i, I kind of felt then, like that was what fucked up jimmy yang like then, they start missing everything yeah. yeah and then and then there was another botch where uh what's his name uh kaz uh hayashi kicked the just need the ref in the fucking <laughs> head like just he kicked the fuck out of him but then he like and then he barely yeah. like like glanced Shannon Moore's head. Like I thought that was great. I was like, holy fucking, was that Brad Armstrong? I, yeah, I think so. I think it was, it, it was Scott like Armstrong. A, Scott Armstrong, yeah. Scott Just Armstrong. Man. That's what I said. Damn it. But uh, yeah, dude. And at one point, the cameraman, like whoever was in production, was terrible. There was two times they missed dives to the outside where they were clearly pointing, like, yeah. All right, yeah. we're diving this way, and the camera would like, yeah. like cut to the last yeah. second. I was just like, come on now, somebody, yeah. somebody's getting fired. And I really pop when Jamie Noble hit a fucking tombstone. I was just like, all right, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, Jamie Noble just busting out the tombstone. And we were talking about uh, people, like you know, the fashion in Nashville. There was a guy in the front row wearing a Javon Kirsch jersey, but it was tucked in. Oh, hot, notch. hot, notch. <laughs> I thought that was solid, but I. I did like the match, and I did not go six beers. I'm, I, it was right there in the middle for me because too much crazy shit going on, too convoluted for me, but the work was great, so that's why I did at least get three beers right there in the middle. See, I'm, I'm somehow I'm in between you guys, which is very rare in this situation, but I actually gave this match four beers. Uh, I thought it was a really great match. I thought it was a great – like so all those dive spots to the outside, I felt like this was the era that – like they still really set them up. Like it took time for individuals to get into space and it made sense for people to be out there for the dives to begin with. It wasn't just like, all right, shit can this guy, shit can this guy, shit can this guy, and then get on the top rope and jump. Like that's, I don't know. It just, that's, that's what's missing. Cause I felt like the setup for the dives was absolutely great. 
Um, Evan Courageous is a total piece of shit. Like, he's just not really? good. He was the <laughs> number one reason why, like, there were any mess-ups at all, really. I mean, the Kaz Hayashi thing with, like, knocking out the ref, I think that was supposed... I think it was suppo- he was supposed to, like, kick them both and just, like, got a little too over-eager and just straight gave that poor man a concussion. Like, uh, it was it was rough, for sure. But Helms looked great. Um, the, sm- the spot where everyone went to the top rope to deliver a top rope move and they all moved and everyone missed, I thought that was super funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I popped really hard for this one. It was a little long, uh, but the work was great. Yeah, so four beers for me. Um, right there, kind of in between you guys, but definitely one of my favorite matches on both on both shows. Um, not quite my favorite, though. Well, uh, let's jump over here to TNA Against All Odds 2011. We had this super weird, like, southern female-fronted metal band uh, with, like, tons of cursing and like didn't i don't know it just felt really like this is 2011 and it felt like they were trying to be ecw from like 97 or 98 uh it was just a little weird uh generation me didn't make it or aka the young bucks couldn't make it because of i think flight issues or whatever um so they do this big like count out forfeit deal for robbie e um and then it leads to robbie e versus frankie kazarian Jesse, what do you think about this this weird open and like just the vibe that you initially got from the 2011 show? The open itself, uh, I mean, are, if we're not getting into opening match match itself yet, the actual opening to the pay per view, the biggest thing I know they said ass a lot in the opening package. There was a lot yeah. of like superfluous minor cussing. Yeah, where I'm like, are couple, we still couple, trying a shit, couple shits in there too? And I was <laughs> like, like, all right. Are we still trying to claim that's edgy here? Is that what we're going for? I just, just, it, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of confused me. I mean, you know, the Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle aspect of the opening package just kind of sets the tone for the awkwardness of a lot of this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the vibe that I picked up on at first was just awkwardness. Awkwardness. Uh, what did you think about this 2011 show? Quix. Oh, man, that... Dude, that fucking, mm, that song. All I have oh, now yeah. in my notes is horrible intro song. Just awful. <laughs> and I did like that uh, fucking, I did re- thought it was really cool when they showed Mike Tanay at the desk. He had a full legal pad full of notes. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Taz did. had some, like, printed out paper with a few things, but, dude, Tanay had, like, you could see his notes were, like, detailed as fuck. I yeah. really enjoyed that. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know how was a Jersey Shore gimmick still a thing in 2011? Like, was I thought Jersey Shore was, was like, like no, that's right around the same time. No, like, I feel like Jersey Shore was out when like I was in high school and like I think it was like 08 through like 2012 or something like that. It was like it must have been the years. tail end of it because I didn't yeah. think like it was still a thing at that point. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think he kept it going for a while, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably still sure. going for all I know, but like, fuck. I just don't know. I just thought that gimmick was still like pretty weak at that point, but it would have been cool to see uh, Generation Me on this pay-per-view because, you know, I'm a Young Bucks mark, but yeah, Jeremy and Max Buck. It was what it was, uh, but it leads us to the actual match here. Uh, they do this kind of like forfeit count-out deal, and it leads to just a straight-up match, and man, like... God, Frankie Kazarian came out, and that dude was weak at best on the mic, especially in 2011. It just was not hitting at all. It just sounded really awkward, although I did pop for the Garden Gnome line. That that definitely popped me. Um, 
but the, I mean, yeah, the rest of the promo just wasn't very good. Um, and dude, okay. This is what I will, I will say. Like these two dudes have completely different hairstyles, but somehow both had the worst hair in the company. I don't really understand how it's possible, but like Frankie Kazarian has like a bulldog face. So like long hair does not suit his head. Like it, it looks almost like, um, like a creator wrestler from like the SmackDown days, you know what I mean? Like where you could like the wavy hair that would just kind of like stay in one spot or just just the tail would move, but yeah, like nothing exactly. else would move. Like Kazarian had that same kind of vibe, and then like every you know every time Robbie E would like over oh, first of all Robbie E and oversell is like the number one thing here. It just oversold everything. Like this was 1984 or something. Um, I mean. I mean, it certainly wasn't a high-flying X Division match by any means, uh, and it did feel like these guys had very good chemistry at all, and it dragged on. So overall, that's just bad. Um, I mean, it is kind of crazy that Kaz... I didn't know Kaz used to do the Deadeye, essentially, and that yeah. was his finish. But that was probably the worst possible fucking camera angle for that Deadeye, like, because you could clearly see like his head's like two feet off the mat. Uh, yeah, man, I gave it a beer and a half. And I felt like I was being kind of generous with that. Um, Wex, where are you at on the match here, though? Well, before we get into the match, speaking of the dead eye, if we go back to that cruiserweight match, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Wang Yang did a kind of version of the dead eye in that match, too. I just thought about that, but it was like a really, very proto weird version of it. Yeah. But yes, yeah, correct. And his head yeah. was the dude's head was also fucking two feet off the mat. And yes, one. exactly. That's why it kind of made me remind me of that. But yeah, this match with Frankie Kazarian and Robbie E. Just like I said, I don't understand how that gimmick was still going by 2011, but it was. And eh, it wasn't a horrible. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't really good though either. It was just like a match. Yeah, that's all I can. That's I mean, that's all I can really say about this because I know Frankie Kazarian can. Put on a way better match than that. And he, like, he did his best, but, like, it's fucking Robbie E. He's, he doesn't even wrestle anymore. Yeah, no, totally. At You're absolutely point. right. I mean, and I definitely thought it was weird. Oh, and his move, his finisher was called the Fade to Black, which I guess was his, like, Metallica thing. But it made me yeah. think of Alistair Black. But his yeah. move, I thought, was, it's it's called the the Black Mass, which I thought it was Fade to Black, but it's not. But No, it, it is it is Fade to Black. It was Black Mass when it was in NXT, and then it became Fade to Black, or something like that. Or maybe he has two different moves, but I know one of his moves is Fade to Black, for sure. Well, so, yeah, that's what I, th I just thought about that, but this match got 2.5. 2.5, wow. So that you actually liked it more than... More than I did. Uh, by the way, I did just Google it, and Jersey Shore started in 2009... And ended in 2012. So this okay, was like so actually prime Jersey Shore time, to be honest. Oh, um, oh, Je Jesse, was, uh, yeah. where are you at on this one, man? So my rating is somewhat conditional on the whole Generation Me story. Because they were supposed yeah. to open this show. They missed a connecting flight in Salt Lake City the day of. There was no way around it. Last minute, couldn't make the show. And this was the last minute pivot, which... I can't imagine opening a pay-per-view under that kind of pressure and yeah. then pivoting the match and including Kazarian and in just that whole idea. I thought Robbie E's promo was actually pretty solid and Kazarian's never really, the mic's never really been his strong suit. I will say that dude, I mean, his look here is obviously dated, but in terms of his shape and everything. Oh no. Yeah. Look, you look great. Yeah. 
He defies time and space. Like, yeah, he's okay. almost in better shape now than he was then, but, I mean, he still doesn't look like he's aged a fucking day. Yeah. Like, no, it's kind of crazy. It's just Robbie E. who I thought fucked everything up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I thought the whole dynamic of Robbie and Cookie did some good classic heel work. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of time that they had to even put this shit together. Yeah. Uh, but I did say in my notes as well, this is an example of the X Division becoming more of a regular match type style and kind of taking the identity away from it, which had started a good little bit before this. But yeah. this is definitely right in the thick of it. Um, yeah. They did the ref distraction to finish, which uh, the fade to black. I gave it three beers literally just because of the pivot and the fact that both of these guys had to go out there on no notice and work each other to open a fucking show. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that as far as like a, I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, I can understand that as far as like from a you want to give the talent their props and like. But I don't know. As an entertainment, like, I understand the reason why it sucked, but that doesn't change the fact that it sucked to me. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I see where, I see where I you're mean, at with it, I but, agree. like... I agree. That's, that's I'm, not, I'm not giving it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, back in the day, they used to call it in the ring, boys, and they'd tear the house down. You know what I mean? So... Um, not these guys. Well, maybe that, Kaz, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe Kaz, yeah. Honestly, and Robbie, like, he... I've seen him... I've seen him it, wrestle well. I have seen him perform yeah. well. This was just not one of those times. Uh, but speaking of things that uh, weren't good, let's jump back over here to 2001. Uh, there's a little backstage spot with Flair and Chavo and Animal kind of explaining the whole Kidman getting taken out type thing. Uh, lots of teasing for Kevin Nash, which means he's definitely going to be on the show. Um, awful promo by Hugh Morris about general erection or whatever, just not good. Um, yeah, I mean, this whole thing was just, was not, the only thing that was good was kind of the Flair and Steiner segment, like their, their interaction. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, these are guys that are actually fucking main eventers that don't look awkward as fuck when a camera is on them. Like they, they know what they're doing. Uh, but then, yeah, the storm segment was, was really bad. Lance storm was just never good in front of a camera unless he's actually wrestling. Um, you guys got anything else to add to those little promo segments or I'll say nailed I it. I surprisingly kind of dug the security footage aspect of things because uh, watching this show in a complete vacuum, it sort of helped set up what was going on, I thought, sure. pretty well. Yeah. And then they, they go on to over-explain it throughout the entire rest of the fucking show, which they defeats the purpose. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, the next WCW is good at doing shit like that. I feel like that's classic. Like, over, like We always talk about that, them overly explaining like a point, driving it throughout the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, God, I wish they would have left this point alone and not had it on the show at all. It's uh, The Wall versus Hugh Morris. Uh, match was sloppy. It was a brawl. Um, the Wall actually got better. Uh, we, we, I think we watched him in a TNA ma match that was he was he was actually pretty damn good in, but he was not good here. And Hugh Morris wasn't um, just couldn't carry the guy. I mean, it just I mean, you can say what you want about Bill DeMott, but Bell to Bell, he was always a pretty good worker. This was just not one of those times but i will say the crowd was into it i just wasn't um i mean they did beat the absolute hell out of each other that it was stiff for sure and some of the moves were impressive like simply due to size uh but it it just didn't make for a good match it was too long i gave it a beer just for the double moonsault at the end and that's that's pretty much it for me um jesse what do you think about the wall versus hugh morris See, I didn't feel like the crowd was into it. I feel like the crowd was fucking bored and started chanting We Want Tables, which is a direct reference not to this match, but just to WWE. They were like, yeah. get this shit off of my eyeballs now. 
Yeah. And I have to agree with him. It was uh, both these guys look here was like, gosh, fucking grow up. I don't know. It was just a very strange thing. It was stiff. And obviously they did a bunch of shit that should have been DQs and weren't, which is a theme for both of these shows. Um, yeah. My question was such a deep talent roster at this time, which WCW did actually have contrary to popular belief. Why the fuck is this match on a pay-per-view at all? It no, just, totally. I don't get it. I gave it a beer just because they obviously put in some effort. Yeah. And the double, the, the moonsault thing, I mean, <laughs> look, he wouldn't have had to do a second one if he had nailed the first one. That's all I'm saying. No, agreed. I totally <laughs> agree. But it's not like he nailed the second one. It was almost the same damn thing. So, uh, but, but, you know, kudos for trying, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess. Wex, where are you at on the wall versus Hugh Morris? <sighs> This is a rough one, dude. It's like, uh, I really don't know what else to say. It was just rough. Like, the wall just looked like like a generic thug from, like, Streets of Rage or, like, Final Fight. Just, like, yes. just like, yes. just that mohawk yes. and, like, I don't know, like, how else to explain it. He just looks so fucking generic as fuck to me. And I noticed, I don't think I noticed, I don't think I really noticed this before, but he has a fat-ass uh, corrosion of conformity tattoo on his arm. Yeah. Like, I fuck, it's fucking huge. I never noticed that before, but he looked terrible compared to how he looked when we watched that TNA pay-per-view. Yeah. He looked, like, in pretty rough shape, and yeah, this was just a fucking train wreck. It was horrible. That moonsault sucked. He just, like, landed on his head. He, like, did a moonsault headbutt, basically. It yeah. It was, like, it was, like, a moonsault, like, uh, shoulder tackle. Yeah, like, he, like, didn't put his garbage. hands up, so he just, like, it's, it's, he, like, seal flopped on him. Like, his hands weren't above his head. They were, like, down by his waist. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, that, that's He great. probably made that same seal noise, too, when he landed. But I was just, dude, the whole time the crowd was just dead as fuck during this match, like Jesse said. They were just, it was just, they were, it was rough. It was rough. It was rough, guys. It was rough. I uh, literally put... This match blows no laughing matter head but fuck no zero beers. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. This match blows. Whew. Well, let's hop back into the time machine, go ten years into the future from this point, and we're back in two thousand eleven. And uh speaking of things that really blow, uh this <laughs> promo with Steiner, like what I was so hard to get through. Like I I couldn't even I was like, what you, what is what is he it might Dude. be the most I, awkward Steiner <laughs> promo of all time. And that's saying something. I I'm talking about it. Scott Steiner here, guys. Like it was ridiculous. Like, I don't, it's like, it's like he kept getting fucked up and then he would like try to ask for a sip of beer to like cover his ass. But really, and then he starts like walking around like Frankenstein. Like what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Like, in, in, my mean, opinion, like, in my opinion, he recognized that he was going to stumble on promos even before WCW shut like a long time before this, like, I mean, way before WCW even shut down and just leaned into that shit and used it. I don't think a bit of this, I mean, I think he stumbles over his words organically, but I don't think the awkward nature of the promo is even remotely by accident. I don't know. I mean, it just felt, it felt rough. I mean, rude, Bobby Roode tried to save it. I mean, he really did, but then storm jumped in and, Took it right back down. To Sorry about was. your damn luck. Oh, God. what? Oh, he's the absolute worst. He's the absolute worst. Uh, but then, yeah. So we have uh, AJ Styles comes out and jumps in for uh, commentary here, which that's, at this point in time, AJ Styles was certainly not a sick man, to say at the very least. So uh, the match on the card here is Rob Terry, Gunner, and Murphy. Not Murphy of, like, WWE, because he was probably, like, six at this time. Um 
but yeah, this guy, my name Murphy that I don't think, I don't even know what happened to that dude. If he does anything, he probably sells insurance in like Minnesota or something. Anyway, it was against Bobby Roode, James Storm and Scott Steiner here. Whew. Uh, guys. Wow. Like we just talked about the wall versus Hugh Morris. And, um, now we're talking about this, this six man, Rob Terry. What a beautiful, I know I'm talking about hair a lot, but what a beautiful Euro mullet on that man. And like, <laughs> but his, and like, is he not like a fucking Popeye to you guys? Like it literally looked like he just like had ports on just his biceps and triceps and like oh. blew those up. And then had like the skinny little waist. And like, it was so weird. Like, I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, he's a monster, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody built like that. Jesse, what do you think about the six man? Uh, I mean, I just think Rob Terry and Scott Steiner in a ring together is probably double life sentences for somebody selling something. I mean, it's just veins all over the fucking place and Roy Rage is fucking crazy. Uh, As for the match in and of itself, you know, Terry is a freak in nature, but he was never the best worker. I think that they he could have gotten past it with some training. I just don't. It doesn't appear to me like the guy ever really got any seasoning at all. Um, Yeah. Gunner. Fuck Gunner. Gunner's an idiot. Um, I never thought he was talented in the first place. This Murphy, the only interesting thing to me about this guy is that his birth name is, in fact, Michael Cole. Yes, that is what? true. I looked it up because <laughs> I didn't know who the fuck he was, and I was like, oh, he's it's Michael Cole. Okay. And he didn't wrestle for much longer after this as far as I can find. He, he was an NWA guy that got absorbed by Impact eventually and then didn't do much after. Um, it was a pretty messy match. I mean, Beer Money got some cool shit in here and there, yada, yada, yada. I gave it a beer and a half, and to be honest, it was all because of that Frankensteiner. Oh, man, here we go. Here we go. Just popping it, popping it with the finish already. Wex, what do you think about this six, man? Uh, I mean, honestly, I thought it was pretty fun. It was like a – it wasn't really a serious match. It was more like a fun match to me. And I love Scott Steiner doing all his antics and his low blow and shit. And I don't know what it is, but, like, has James Storm always never just been, like, really in shape? He's always just kind of been, like, like that? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. I've seen he's him ripped never, a couple of times, but it usually I haven't really seen him like, rip, but he's never really fat either. He's just kind of, like, that, just, like, where he is there. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I just feel like he's never been. Oh, like, no, he's a fat ass right here. There's there's no, like, in between. I mean, he's got, he's muffin topping that whole thing, man. Them Them shorts, them trunks were crying. Crying to get out of there. Yeah, Rob Terry. He was putting a hurting on them trunks is what he was putting. (laughs) Yeah, he might need to go a few sizes up, but that costs more money to get more gear. You're going to squeeze into that shit. But uh, Rob Terry, yeah, definitely sucks. He looks – I put he's very stiff, but not stiff as in like having stiff shots. Just like he moves stiff. He's He's very like robotic and like he has too much muscle and just doesn't – I don't know. doesn't work. Like yeah. you said, if you got some seasoning, like nothing really happened with him. And like you said, Michael Cole Murphy, like I'd never heard of who this wrestler was, period. I had to look him up. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like did not recognize him from anything or couldn't remember him because he's never really done anything besides this pretty much. Cause he, like you said, he quit wrestling not long after this. I just have a note that says more Bobby Roode, less Gunner. And I enjoyed the Frankensteiner a lot too. And just because Scott Steiner was being Scott Steiner, like the promo before, you know, all that shit. I went two and a half beers. Damn. Two straight and a half Scott, beers. Straight for Scotty. Straight for Scott Steiner. Best, man. One love, I mean, big Papa Punk. Yeah, the genetic freak. The original. I mean, I don't know. Steiner looked old as hell. He just looked he's got, super. He's got the world's largest arms. Steiner looked just super roided up. 
Storm looked like you couldn't put down a box of ho hos if his life depended on it. Um, Bobby Roode looked. I mean, Bobby Roode looked great for sure. Um, I mean, it was booty daddy. Good God. It's weird seeing Steiner try to be a baby face. Did you guys notice that? Like he was like oh, yeah. pumping up. Like it's like, what are you doing? Like that's this is this just feels weird. Like why why a baby face? What they tried not to eat for like a, a skosh of the time that he was there too, yeah. and it was very awkward. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, I like baby dude, pump. I will say though, as as the person with the best hair on this podcast, I I just gotta say like that Euro mullet. By Rob with Rob Terry was bitching. It was the best thing he had going for him. It was top notch. Um, I mean, I, okay. Also, too, the fortune hand signal might be the stupidest fucking thing <laughs> I've ever it? seen in my exactly. life. I, I you know how like stupid. you know how when you're like six and you're pissed off and you don't really know how to give the bird and you're just like mm, like yeah. that's that's what it looks like. I'm what like, do they wh- do? what is the what is the hand? It's signal? just it's just a whole five, like you're doing the four horsemen yeah. and you put your ring finger down. Yeah, it looks super stupid. So it's like the Matt Hardy, except you put your thumb out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's not it, the it, it's not the version one. It's but just at least, the version... but, but but the version one was like up with the, with your fingers out like this, which I don't know. It looks better than I don't, it really looks like you lost a finger when people are just like, Hur! like I'm like, like uh, Billy Joe Shaver flipping you off. Yeah, you know, yeah, ex- yes, exactly. It was just it, I don't know. It was ridiculous. Um, the whole it was and how over it was was ridiculous too. Like that just. I mean, everybody in the crowd did it with him, and I was like, "That's this is I don't know, I don't know how you can feel like a grown man and put that thing in the air. It's just weird." Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, but yeah, the Frankensteiner in 2011. Wow, pop for that. Gave it a beer as well. Um, there, there we are on that one. Don't have much else to say. Let's uh, let's jump back over here to 2001, and we are uh, match number three on the card here. Um, there is kind of a little scuffle between Conan and Animal in the back between these matches, but nothing really else to that was going on there. I, I will. I noticed one thing: like a classic Nashville security company when they did one of the shots, rock solid security, polite but firm. Rock solid, polite but firm. Because uh, one of my friend's mom used to work for them back in the day, and I noticed the jacket, and I was like, "Oh shit, rocks!" And, and you notice in, in the crowd for the entire show, they're all standing backwards. And there's like a bunch of them like throughout, like all throughout the show, and they're all standing backwards. It just looks really weird. I've never seen that before, like at a wrestling show, the security standing like that. But did you know that polite but firm was actually my Tinder tagline? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, the next match on the card here is Mark Jindrak and Sean Stasiak versus Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare for the WCW Tag Team Championships. This is pretty much. The uh, power plant Super Bowl here, boys. That's what this is. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this uh, this tag team championship match? Everything there is to say about this match can be summed up by the fact that they put the wrong fucking graphic on Mark Jindrak <laughs> and Sean Stasiak. Love it. Love the it. Love graphic it. is for the other fucking team. That's my it first note. <laughs> just so great. Um, it's interesting to note that straight out of the power plant, both of these teams were swapped. Originally, O'Hare and Jindrak came in as partners and won the championships together, and Palumbo and Stasiak were partners. I mean, out of the four, I thought O'Hare had star power written all over him. I think a lot of people thought that. He obviously can't work a fucking mic to save his life here. Um, but Sean Stasiak had one of the worst, like, Southern wrestling, USWA, fucking, I'm going to shit on your football team slowly type cheap heat promos I've ever heard in my life. It was Awful. fucking miserable. Then 
Sean O'Hare, man, whatever he said in the aisle, I don't even remember it. I know he stumbled over his words, something about kissing their own ass or something. It was pretty – there's so much just shiny leather in this match. That was everyone's shiny fucking – leather. It was everyone's gear. It was just veins and shiny leather all over the fucking place. That's probably somebody's biography now. Um, yep. <laughs> most of the match was like weird, awkward, botch spots. It, it's really hard to imagine that Mark Jindrak ever – got considered to be a member of evolution watching a match like this. I know that he did much better work later, but it was fucking rough. I thought that they did do a good job of clearly putting the shine on O'Hare. That Shantan bomb, I thought always kind of looked impressive. He kind of doesn't really nail it on the, on the money here, but you know, seeing a guy that big do it. um, I didn't like that. This was for the titles. I agree. I, I wish that it wasn't. I think it would have made more sense and gotten everybody on the card still if it hadn't been. It would have been more interesting to me if it hadn't been. I just thought that cheapened it in a weird way. I gave it two beers for getting new talent on the card, shining up the right guy. Um, I think with time, they could have had not only a star out of Sean O'Hare, but I, Palumbo had a shot at it there for a minute, too. Yeah. Um, Wex, where are you at on this tag team championship match, man? Uh it was a little clunky, a little sloppy and slow at times, but I mean, they, you can definitely tell they were really like trying to work their asses off and it definitely seemed like they were nervous at some points. Like when you saw that pre match, you talk about that pre-match promo yeah. with Sean O'Hare, he was stuttering and botching oh, like God. every other word. It's like, you could tell they were, re- I don't know. You could like see they were really trying hard, but just, it just wasn't working for them. Wasn't happening. Shit just was not, just wasn't flowing right. They really want it to work, and you know, I want it to work for them. We all want it to work out, but some nights things just don't flow the right way, and I could just tell things weren't going the right way for them that night. And the fact that they put in the effort and they really tried, and like you said, that Shantan bomb is that best you want to call? I don't know, but uh, pretty cool, pretty sick, and at least they they tried. So two beers for me, pretty much right where Jesse's at. I mean. For different reasons, but I, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, I mean, under under different circumstances, I'm a huge fan of veins and shiny leather, but um, <laughs> the actual match here did not prove to be that enticing or exciting. Um, unfortunately, I mean, all the guys were just really green, too. I mean, there's just, I mean, I don't, I think that between the all of them, there's like three total years of experience in the four that are in, in the match. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it just... I mean, you can't expect too much out of it. Uh, way too much of like the like the ref being distracted. You know what I mean? Like that whole like distracting the ref spot to call the other guy in. That happened like eight times in the match. Like that's WCW like, 2001. Straight the I fuck know. up. It's just the first. I don't know. It just and see, I'm actually of the opinion that like I think that Mark Jindrak specifically just shouldn't have gotten into wrestling until like five years <laughs> later in life. Like if he had started at like 24 instead of 19. I think it would have been significantly different for him. Um, I, I honestly thought he could have been a ma- massive star if he had just not he been so damn silly. Like, um, but it is what it is. I mean, I gave it two beers totally. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It wasn't we're the worst all, thing. Can we? We all agreed. I think we're all at two beers on that. Oh, one. It, that, that's one of those rare. Take a, ones take a we, shot at home, boys and girls, because it's that very a, rare. That's I don't, a rarity. I don't think so. We gotta write that down, guys. The first time ever we agreed on something was a WCW 2001 show. <laughs> That's a uh, we're we're fucking just firing on all cylinders here, boys. Let's uh let's jump back over to 2011. The holy fucking Trinity. 
the holy fucking trinity that's uh that's something oof Ooh, speaking of things to testify about, we have Devon in the back with his kids. Uh, he actually cut a pretty decent promo until he started scolding his kids. And I was like, now you're talking to them like they're nine. And a minute they ago, were you were down to, like, let them beat Bubba's ass with you. So I don't really know <laughs> where we're at here. It just didn't really make sense. Felt pretty awkward. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that promo, Jesse? Concussion parenting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit all over the place it was definitely not cohesive um i mean we'll talk about the opponent's promo a little bit later on but they're yeah. both a little both a little cringy a little cringy to say the least wex any any thoughts on the devon promo there yeah uh I didn't really think about concussion parenting, but that's a very good uh, observation right there. Good line, good, good, good phrase there, Jesse. Did you come, was that was that off the top right there? Did you write it that down? Right, right off the top right of the there. dome, right off that's, the top of the dome. A, the old patron that's a good one. That's, the, I enjoy that. A, I, I thought that was a good one, but that's why I not, call him not, my not holy much that, that. I was just gonna say it doesn't really make much sense, but uh, concussion parenting, uh, concussion parenting is way better. So. <laughs> top notch, top notch. Uh, we also got a pretty good segment for Pope and Joe. The uh, the promo package leading up to it was actually pretty well done. One of the few good ones on the show. Uh, unfortunately, the match did not live up to the hype. I thought uh, Pope kind of playing the chicken shit role was great for him, but the how they fucked up Okada was just. I mean, it's it's literally criminal. I feel like whoever did that should be prosecuted and tried for neglect. Uh, it just is a blatant misuse of talent it's there's no way uh knowing what we know now to possibly argue any differently um i honestly expected the match to get more time than it did too uh, i mean it tapped out so quick and it took a lot away from the match and i understand they were like trying to say it's because he was a coward and it just I, it was badly booked it was badly booked it wasn't really the guy's fault there was way too much interference uh i think it was really the writing more than it was the actual bell to bell um I don't know. It was about two beers for me again on this one. Two beers. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on it? I mean, so Okato, which is how it was pronounced at this time, being a takeoff of the Green Hornet sidekick is some of the yeah. most fucking high key racist, racist. shit. Yeah. In 2011, too. Like, this isn't the 2001 show we're talking about here, which no. still would have been stupid. But 2011, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is a Russo thing. Oh, I, but, I believe so too. But I mean, I, that dude should definitely be in jail for something. This is one of the, that's one of the things that fucked up the TNA in, uh, New Japan relationship. I, from what, from my understanding, the chief thing. I mean, I wasn't there, but that's what I've always heard. And I can't blame New Japan for being pissed about this. It's absolutely fucking insane. Um, outside of that, I, I agree with the promo package, giving a little decent little angle to a match that otherwise I'm not sure how many people would have found a reason to care about. Uh, that blade job was real out in the open. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of constantly wonder, though. I got to say, you know, Pope, I think, is a good performer. I I agree the chicken shit heel thing totally suits him. I think that's what he's always done best. Yes. I was kind of surprised by how snug the match was between these two. I really – I expect it from Joe, but not so much from Pope. And, man, they, they kind of went in a good handful of times, I thought, which made me a little bit more entertained by it. Yeah. I feel like the finish was supposed to be like he was so terrified of the move that he had to make sure that he got fuck out of it or whatever. 
they didn't make that clear. They didn't sell it well. And it was a really weird, like, post-match scrum with the knees to Joe. And you don't often see Joe with the, like, I'm going to get you another day type thing. Usually he's yeah. the one walking out with his head held right. high. So yeah. it was a little weird. I, I gave it two and a half just because it was, like, pretty snug. But it wasted a shitload of talent. Yeah, it really did. It was a waste of talent. And I just felt like now, like, this is a pay-per-view. This is not the time to be furthering an angle. This should be the payoff for an angle. Um Wex, where you at on this match, man? Yeah, yeah. It was a kind of kind of close to where Jesse was at, but like could it utilize this talent in a lot better way, like Okado when it's Okada? Like, dude, come the fuck on! I can't believe TNA at that point in 2011 had the Young Bucks and Okada, and they were like just Still it just doesn't make any out. sense to me. Like to see where they were in 2011. To see where those three guys are now, it's just insane. And TNA had them way back in the day and had no clue really what to do with them. I got two words for you. Dixie Carter. Yep, I guess maybe that was. But, I mean, this whole match was just basically the Pope being the chicken shit for the entire thing. Like, Yeah, yeah. And he, he just reminds, like, I don't know. He just... He, it's like he, it's like he's faking it. It doesn't seem like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't come off very real, like, at all. Oh, I don't know. I love Pope, dude. I think Pope, yeah. I think, I think he's, I think he's really I, underrated. I don't know. I've never, mm, just never been a big fan of him, but I did notice that Mike Tanay said elbow suicida, which I thought the first time I heard that was on Dynamite recently when, I think Excalibur said it, and I was like, oh shit, elbow suicida. I've never really heard that because uh, John Moxley did it. And I asked somebody, and then someone was like, I forgot who I asked. And they're like, oh, I've never really heard that. And then I was like, oh, so Mike Tanay said it in 2011, elbow suicida. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of them pioneers of pro wrestling. And Taz calling. also said Exactamundo. Which I was just like, did he really just say Exactamundo? Well, but you know. Did. And yeah, and I thought that the Pope was sell- like overly selling at some points in this match like a motherfucker. Just like... HBK versus Hogan, that shit, just flipping and flopping everywhere. But, geez. Joe saved this for me because Joe's badass and everything Joe does. So, Joe put in the work. If the Pope would have just not overly sold and just kind of toned it down a bit, it could have potentially got more. But I just gave it three beers. Three beers, man. Yeah, I think both of us. Yeah, but I feel that, like, yeah. But I'm not including the post-match because that was dumb as fuck. The beatdown, like, it just... It just didn't make any sense. Like, just made Joe and Okada look weak, which, why do you want to make... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of higher than any one of us, uh, we got a little bloated Dustin Rhodes promo in the back here. <laughs> uh, and it was not good at all. You could definitely tell he was uh, not 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 living his best life at this point in, um, in 2001. But the next match on the card here is going to be Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Chavo Guerrero, a ma- uh, Guerrero, sorry, uh, a maskless horned Mysterio as well. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on Rey Mysterio versus Chavo Guerrero for the WCW Cruiserweight title? You know, it was uncharacteristically botchy, but I watched it twice, mostly because I was trying to figure out like what the fuck happened here, and yeah. it seems 
I think that part of it was the ring. I think there was something yeah. going on with the ropes. And because you can see Ray is like moving just as fluid as he normally does and everything he does until he fucking puts his feet on those ropes. And that was most of what he fucked up. Yeah. And I thought Chavo broke his ass carrying the rest of it. They saved yeah. those spots. It still looked good. I absolutely loved the whole mask play shit that they pulled off. I thought that yeah. was fucking awesome. Yes. I hate Ray without his fucking mask. I just don't think that it made any sense ever um, yep, in terms of his character. I mean, you know? he's a cute little boy, but he also looks like he's fucking nine years old, so it doesn't it doesn't really work. The Tommy Hilfiger overalls didn't really help. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I thought Chavo absolutely carried himself like a star here and looks like one of the best wrestlers on the face of the planet, which he is. And in WCW, you didn't really get to see that out of him until towards the tail end. So I thought he had a fantastic match. Chair comes into play via the ref distraction. The ref is definitely looking like an early career Bill Burr to me. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the match nice. with a fucking beautiful brain buster to retain the Cruiserweight title. I had to give it three. I know that there were a lot of botches. A lot of people shit on this match. I think the ring was against Ray. Um, the crowd was into it. The finish was good. Chavo was impressive. Got to give it a three. Wex, where are you out on this Cruiserweight Championship match, man? I I really enjoyed this match, and just like Jesse said, the only reason that the botches happened with Rey Mysterio was all rope shit. It had to be like slippery ropes or something, because besides those two rope botches, everything was fucking great. Like, it's that power plant sweat, dude. Yeah, everything was great. Yeah, all the all the fucking uh, what you what were you calling a uh, leather and what <laughs> veins and leather veins and leather, all that veins and leather rubbed up on there. Yeah, all that goddamn shit, but yeah, besides that, the match was great. Like, Rey Mysterio killed it. Chavo Guerrero killed it. Like you said, dude, that fucking brain buster at the end was just very precise. I really, they just would have used the first angle for the replay. The second angle for the replay, like, shows how his head is not hitting the mat. It looked way better from the original angle. But yeah, like you said, the maskless Rey Mysterio is just a fucking terrible idea. Though I do like the devil horns that add a little something to the character, but those overalls were horrible. The entire match, he's trying to hook one of them, and once he gets one hooked, like, by the next move, the other one's unhooked, and he's always trying to hook one the entire match. Which kind of really took it took a little bit away of it for me, but uh, Skiavania said, "Whoa, Chavo," which made me think of "Ooh, Chavo." Oh. It just it really made me it really made me think of that. Like I just it just popped instantly in my head. But I mean, yeah, Ray really like he got the shit beat out of me. Did some like really cool shit. And there's a really weird Frankensteiner bump where Chavo rolled on his back off the top rope, which I've, I've never really seen that. I'm sure y'all noticed that. I was like, Whoa, that's what's weird. But it went, it flowed very nicely. They like continued on and like kept going. But yeah, those little botches weren't really Ray's fault, but weirdly, I don't ever, cause I guess I really wasn't watching WCW in 2001. Cause I was full WWF, but Rey Mysterio did a Bronco buster. And that was like a thing. They're like, Oh no, he's setting up for the Bronco buster. And I was like, Rey Mysterio did a Bronco buster. What yeah, the fuck? Oh yeah. yeah. For like two years. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah. it wasn't like, it definitely wasn't as intense as X-Pac. Like it was just yeah, like yeah. one or two. And then that was it. Like X-Pac gave at least four to five every time. But yeah. that guy that had the mullet in the front row with the Titan shirt also made me pop sick vertical brain buster. I went 4.75 beers. And the only reason is because of the botches and the kind of the weird shit I'd seen. And we talked about that was going on because it could have potentially had more, but yeah. 
4.75 almost almost see, the okay see i'm i'm actually i think i'm the highest one that that's rated this match i absolutely loved it see because to me so you guys keep saying botches where the slips happen but like they recovered them so well like both that, times that, they happen that i was yeah. like I, i'll give like, them that to dude, me it's like, like if you recover it that well it's almost it almost better that it happened that way you know what i mean like yeah, the it feels outside, more like a fight you know like I don't know. I, I I I like genuinely enjoyed it. I thought they like this might be one of my favorite ever Chavo matches ever. Like, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not knocking the guy. The dude is great for sure. But like, dude, I gave this match five beers. I really really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually thought this was the best match on the card. I enjoyed this more than I liked the cruiserweight six way. Um, I thought it was super crisp. Um, I mean. I also love the chair cheat to kind of get the win by Chavo. I thought it was really good, man. Overall, I had no complaints. Five beers for me overall. I mean, literally the only reason it didn't get six is because I just can't deal with a maskless Rey Mysterio. It just feels wrong and on like a yep. unholy level, um, if you will. But uh, but yeah, man, let, let's keep things rolling here, boys. Let's keep things rolling. We're going to jump back over to 2011. Uh, the next match on the card here. Is going to be Mickey James versus Madison Rain for the TNA Knockouts Championship. And Mickey James is in the back cutting a promo hella hot. This is prime Mickey James time to me. Like, good Lord in heaven. She was a 10 and a half easily. Beautiful, beautiful young lady. Whew. All right, before I get too hot and bothered, before we talk about too much uh, veininess. Let's uh let's let, go ahead let Jesse kind of cool me off here. Give me a Mickey James versus Madison Ray. What do you think? I mean, it looked to me like 30 seconds into the match, they looked like they had wrestled for 90 minutes. It just I, I'd be I, I don't I'd only be 30 seconds into something too. Oh, but. Shit, Party fucking good. har. The uh it was just they were so they were super gassed super early on. Nine minute long last knockout standing match. If anyone else ever said that to anybody trying to put pen to paper on a show, I think everybody would be like, nope. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not now, but in 2011. They they tried to make it work with the heel interference stuff. I don't understand the whole – I mean, the, I, I, I understand the respect behind the loaded glove thing, but why use the loaded glove and on – it's a last knockout standing match, so why use it on the person interfering – as opposed to using it on your opponent and then opening yourself up for a knuckle shot finish. But she's a baby face. It was, is she stupid? I mean, it's like, does she not have any idea of the concept of winning the fucking match? I mean, I she's like, a baby I don't know. Face. All baby faces are stupid. <laughs> I guess, you know, I don't know. I thought that Mickey put in the work. They, they tried to work a good match. I've never been the biggest fan of Madison Reigns work. Um, or on the mic for that matter. <laughs> But uh, I gave it half a beer just because they they tried to work something solid. They were up against a lot. It just didn't do anything for me. Yes, yeah, so half a beer is that what you gave it? That is correct. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of I mean I'm at one full beer. Uh, all in all, I think I actually think both ladies are kind of capable of having a better match than they did. Uh, there was just a lot of downtime, and it really I mean it's hard to have that much downtime and have less than 10 minutes in a match. It's kind of crazy, but it did feel like there was lag uh, and there wasn't like any continuity. Um, and I'm kind of I mean, at this point in the show, too. I was like I was kind of starting to wonder, like, why this show had had been such ravely reviewed as a great TNA show. I was like, granted, like we're let I mean, we're right about halfway. And I'm like, God, this is uh, not looking great at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just it wasn't it, it didn't live up to the hype. I mean, I have seen Madison Rain actually work really well uh, with the right opponent. I think actually against Mickey James, but this match was just not not one that 
that worked out well. I gave it one beer. Wex, where are you at on this one? Man, this match. Is it just me, or does Mickey James always just have horrible gear? Horrible gear? Obviously, oh, Dan no. doesn't agree with you. No, I do not agree, sir. I'm, I, I, I mean, I, it I might be revealing that. or whatever, but it still fucking looks looks like fucking shit to me. Her gear's just always gonna, just I'm weird. I'm not going to sit here. And horrible. And, and she tries to play up her like James. Native American heritage, and she's probably like maybe one percent. She's like, oh, I'm Cherokee, you know, like every other redneck from Tennessee. That's just like, Don't be I'm racist. Native American. Like, yeah, come on, like, yeah, you, you look, you're white as fuck. You look super duper white. Like, I see no, not one bit of Native in you. But yeah, one the one uh, note that I have like in the middle of this is not a fan of this match so far. This is like not far into it, but yeah, things didn't go very well. Like <laughs> terrible missed kick. Like the glove thing was like fu- like the whole ref thing at the end pit. Like it just didn't make any sense at all. The whole time she steals the glove, and Madison Rain is already laying down for clearly at, at 10. It's basically already at 10 at this point. And then by the time she turns around for the interference, it's already at like 8 or 9, and she's going so slow. Like, she's won the match at this point, pretty much. But they take so long to do this stupid-ass fucking interference, and then Taz accidentally says Victoria clearly, <laughs> clearly audible as fuck. And I'm like, all right, well, there we go. Here we are. I pop for that. I mean... And me popping for that alone can't do anything for this. This this shit fucking sucked. Negative one. Negative one. Wow. Because the but because just like both of you, just like you said, both of these girls can, both these women, these competitors, I've seen them have way better matches. Like there's no excuse for this bullshit. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I gotta completely disagree with you on the gear though. Um, I don't I don't like those those words. I didn't like that tone actually. I don't appreciate that at all. I don't appreciate that one bit. Let's move on back to 2001 here. The next match on the card is going to be Dustin Rhodes versus Rick Steiner for the WCW US Championship. Um, it was surprisingly a pretty good promo package for the match, actually. Um, and then that damn bell had to ring. Um, Jesse, what do you think about this one, bud? I mean, there are a number of things I could say about it and will, but first and foremost... The utter lack of psychology throughout the entire match almost brought me to my fucking knees, given the two competitors. I mean, you got two guys who absolutely, like, these guys, they're obviously capable of so much more. Yeah. <laughs> West is. God damn it. He just killed me with that. Yeah. One. That was great. This guy, you got his tickle bug, bud. The, uh, so Dustin Rhodes basically starts out the match almost by not protecting a DDT using it super fucking early for a two count. Later on in the match, he kills his own fucking finish by doing it, and Rick Steiner just rolls out of the goddamn ring. <laughs> like, why would Dustin use a chair as a challenger on the outside of the ring? Isn't he supposed to want to get the title? Yeah. Like, there's just nothing about it that makes sense. The stupid-ass turnbuckle spot that's the second time in the show, and that's what leads to the three count. It just, I just thought this was, like, Claudy and not yeah, even yeah. remotely worth either guy's time. Um, the Death Valley driver after with that stupid ass catchphrase that Rick Steiner had, the ref for some reason Ugh. stops Rick from hit, <laughs> hitting Dustin with the belt only to openly allow Dustin to just like kick Rick Steiner in the ball bag. That didn't make any sense to me. One beer, 
way under both guys' talent level, like I said. I thought the match was poorly put together, and, I mean, fuck. It was just miserable. I mean, I felt like Rhodes was really over as a babyface, though. I didn't... Okay, I will say that, like, I actually expected to absolutely hate this. I expected it to be the biggest clusterfuck of all time, and it wasn't that. Uh, it worked. It wasn't good. I'm, I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. I will not tell you that Rick Steiner versus Dustin Rhodes was a good match by any means. But I will say the crowd was into it, and it was more brawl. And so I mean, the crowd was definitely there for this one. It was probably one of the hotter matches, which is kind of strange. Um, but Steiner. I mean, Steiner got the win, and he looked like an absolute monster. Um, I mean, of course, you know, they do the 50-50 WCW booking for Rhodes to do that, you know, hit the shattered dreams at the end. I didn't absolutely hate it, uh, but I didn't love it. I'm again, like, it's like the, I'm like the two beer, the two beer, uh, I can't finish the the catchphrase anymore, but, uh, yeah, it's, I was, I was, I'm the two beer guy, uh, on this one. Um, Wex, what do you think about Dustin Rhodes versus Rick Steiner? If you don't like me, like me, like me. No, uh, yeah, this match was, uh, eh, I don't really know. Sorry. <laughs> it was bad. This match just, yeah, wasn't very good. Dustin had some very fucking weird entrance gear, to say the least. I don't know really what it was supposed to be portraying. It just looked fucking weird, and it didn't really go with his actual gear. I don't know. But, like, I think it's funny. You said he basically buried the DDT by going in with the two count really quick. And I said, I have nice going in quick with the DDT. And that's the only positive note that I have. <laughs> the bastard, the bastard in the damn DDT. Uh, yeah, just, just, just a lot of brawling, a lot of bullshit. And like, like you said, the second time they're using the, the, the turnbuckle spot, like, yeah, I just put, I'm glad this match is over. Even though Rick Steiner had to cheat to win. However, we did get the Shattered Dreams, so I will give it a beer. Shattered Dreams. Shattered Dreams is all I had left. It's all WCW had left after having to watch poor Madison Rain and Mickey James be subjected to that back over here on the 2011 show. But then I got to see Pilled Up Jeff Hardy cut a promo in the back, and that was real yikes. Uh, not, a, not a big fan of that. Um, and then on top of that bad promo, we had Matt Morgan and Hernandez come out because we all know that they're both phenomenal mic workers. Except not at all. And it was just an awful race baiting promo. Uh, and it just made me feel weird and awkward. Uh, and then Matt Hardy also had a really awkward and creepy uh, promo. I don't know if there's ever been like three segments in a row that were like super cringe like this. But these guys knocked it out of the fucking park. Like they win the cringe award for the worst middle segment here. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this lineup of trash? I absolutely agree. Uh, the pilled out Jeff Hardy thing is just depressing to watch, especially yep. knowing that he, I mean, I'm glad that he overcame it. It's completely different to see now. Yep. But man, watching that just sucks. I literally, my notes for Hernandez and Morgan, flat, weird race baiting angle. That's it. Yep. And uh, Matt Hardy, good God. I mean, that's like, I, you know, right in the throes of just some some trouble mindset, Matt Hardy yeah. right there. I mean, yeah. he is capable of so much more. Him and Jeff both. And, I, you know, Hernandez and Morgan, I'm not so sure that they're capable of much more on the mic, but both the Hardys are. Oh, for sure. Like, Jeff's a little bit weird or whatever, but he can cut a good promo under pressure when he's got his head on straight. So, yeah, I hated all of them. What do you think about these promos before we get into the match here? Yeah, they were whack. I'm I'm in there. There's not much more to add, but what y'all said, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were whack. 
Nice. Great insight from Wex breaking the loss in there. Uh, the next <laughs> match on the card here is going to be Matt Hardy versus RVD. Uh, yeah, and again, like Hardy was just obviously twacked out at the time. You can he, just was, he was definitely channeling his HBK 1997. Yes. Right? Dude, him and his brother both, and they just they did, didn't look healthy at all. Um, honestly, I wasn't even sure if he was sober or not for the match, um, and that's never good. Um, the match, uh, I mean... It, it, it honestly, it wasn't even bad. It just drug on and the crowd really didn't seem to be into it as I would have expected them to be. Um, I mean, it was really long. It was like way too long. Like it could have been a solid five or six minutes shorter and it would have been significantly better, I think. Uh, but for me, I gave it another two beers. I'm just lo- like living in this two beer lane over here. Um, Jesse, where were you at on this Matt Hardy versus RVD match? Man, it, I mean, I had seen some of the matches leading into this that they had in TNA already, and this is definitely better than the match they had before this. Hardy's in better shape than he was before this. I'm not so sure that means good things for his health, but he does look better than when he first came in. Right. Um, The styles are a little clunky at times. I mean, you know these two go together. They've had great matches before. I did dig the finish. Um, I gave it three beers. I I mean, as bad as the promo was, which I feel like really crushed the match. Had they just not had that promo or had it like way earlier in the card, I think the match would have been way better off. But it really just took all the fucking air out of the room. But at least there was kind of a story leading into it. They worked a suitable mid-card match, and I like to finish enough three beers coming from me. Wex, what do you think about the actual match here, Matt Hardy versus RVD? I'm actually right there with Jesse at three beers, but not really wow. for the same the same exact reasons. Because when this match started, I was just like, wow, this is the slow, sad versions of RVD and Matt Hardy. It just yeah. wasn't what I was expecting when I was reading the card. Oh, RVD versus Matt Hardy? This is going to be, you know, really fucking sick. I mean, and it was pretty good, but not really fucking sick. There were a few nice little spots there. Like, I like, like the nice spinning heel kick over the guardrail spot. The, the classic. It was pretty sick. And that's crazy to think that Matt Hardy's been wrestling in those exact same pants for the past 20 years. <laughs> I, I just... He's, till this day, he still wrestles in those. But, I mean, I guess he knows what he's doing. And, I mean, they must be really good and comfortable and nice and... Very, I guess, functional for the ring. But I really like how uh, Mike Taz and uh, t- uh, I guess I said Mike Taz, Mike Danae and Taz called out that really sick ass submission, that weird submission, the double underhook body scissors thing. That- yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It was a strange, strange. I mean, and Matt Hardy was just doing a lot of weird. That this entire match, he was just doing a lot of weird moves that he just doesn't normally yeah. do. Yeah. Which that that kind of added a little bit for me. I was like, all right, he's switching it up a little bit here. I don't know if it's because he's pilled out and he's just like, all right, I'm gonna do some weird shit. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know what was what going it felt on like, here. honestly. Because that's kind of that's kind of what it felt like at points when it got a little clunky, and I was like, all right, like I guess the it's it's not flowing the right way for him right now, but it is what it is. We got a sick ass five star froggy splash, and, you know. So it's right right there with Jesse, three beers. Three beers, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not me at all. But uh, over here on the next show, on the 2001 show, we have Ric Flair pretty much helping Storm through a segment in the back because, um, you know, Flair is still gold when anytime the camera's in front of him. But 
dude, Storm just was God. This this honestly like lowered his stock a lot to me. Like just watching this whole show was like, fuck, that guy just should not be on camera other than actual wrestling. Um, just at all. But uh these next guys probably shouldn't have been wrestling at all either. We have the <laughs> Douche Express or um totally buff versus Chronic, which is Brian Adams and Brian Clark, uh, the double Bs. Um, so yeah, it's the Bryans versus the Douche Express here. Um, man, you know what, Wex? I'm coming right back to you, buddy. What do you think about Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell versus Brian Adams and Brian Clark? I mean, honestly, the only reason that I'm going to give this match a beer is because they legit fooled me with the the Mike Awesome fake out. <laughs> I yeah. was like, I was like, what? Oh, the Sean Stasiak fake out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was Mike Awesome. Was no, it Mike, Mike awesome? awesome? It was Mike Awesome. Was it really? It was yeah. Mike Awesome dressed up. Yeah, like, cause I once he started taking the shit off, I was like, what the fuck? Who? I was like, oh shit, it's Mike Awesome. But I was like, dude, they totally fucking fooled me with that thing. Like, I was just like, no, no. I was like, what? No. Yeah. Yeah. What were you like? What, just like, yeah, what? No, huh? What? 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 Yeah. But if it wasn't for that shit, literally, it probably wouldn't have got anything because this match was kind of fucking horrid and clunky. Even the double fucking, uh, what was that? A double, the fucking double team movie did I have the goddamn note, but it didn't look good. It looked <laughs> shitty. You guys know what I'm talking about. It was a double DDT is what it was, but goddamn, it was horrible. There was a kick kick. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> buff Bagwell's gonna buff Bagwell. I mean, what can you do? Like, what can you say here? Buff Bagwell. He fucking sucks. Like, the only one we happened to watch the one, like, decent Buff Bagwell match ever, and that was, like, way early in his, you know, career. Buffs, yeah. You know, in, in his NWO, like, getting start getting crazy run. But, eh, Lex Luger fucking sucked at this point in his career. We all know that. Yeah. Buff Bagwell. We did see a blockbuster, but. Yeah, I gave it one beer. One beer. Those dudes certainly struggled. I don't know if they struggled as much as Wex did to talk about it, but Jesse, where you at on this one? <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to pitch a pilot for Totally Buff or what the fuck happened with the length of the promo at the beginning of the match, but I Jeez, wanted to stab right. my ears out with a fucking screwdriver. It was so bad, and it was so long. The entire concept of the handicap stuff leading into this match was so see-through that yeah. it was like... I knew something was up. You just didn't know what. I mean, it was yeah. so fucking obvious. Yeah. Um, they worked this just shit handicap match type format. Nobody wanted to see Lex work at this point in time. I'd never really wanted to see Lex work, to be honest. <laughs> but well, it's just one of those things for me. He just never really, I don't know. I didn't get it. Um, Buff turned in a handful of good matches. Dude, the days when he was tagging with Scorpio, there's some oh, stellar yeah. matches. Yeah, and for sure. You know, a couple with the Patriot, too, but get the yeah. NWO and pretty much that sold out show is about it. The, I mean, a uh, couple of those American males matches, too, were, were pretty good. Some of that was, yeah. Some of those were really well-coordinated tag matches. I mean, at that point in time, you know, I, I thought he had a bright future until he started getting paranoid about his fucking calves or whatever. But yep. the the camera missed the German for the Mike Awesome reveal. The only, like, when you see it during the match, you just see it on the Tron as an injured Brian Clark is crawling out from the back. And I'm like, what the fuck? How do you miss the shot of the fucking move for the guy to spike him for the reveal? Yeah, yeah. Like, just mind-blowing production snafus here. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It was a fucking stupid lurpy derp ending. I didn't really like the. I mean, I love seeing a blockbuster as much as the next guy, but this might be the worst one I've ever seen Buff throw. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. pretty fucking bad, and I couldn't tell yeah. who that was on. I mean, Brian Adams landed awkward as a motherfucker too. I was just glad that it ended. Uh, yeah. I gave it was a blockbuster though. I gave it half a beer just for the semblance of creativity from the Mike Awesome thing. Um, if that blockbuster had been worth a shit, it would have got another half maybe, but it wasn't. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Doing half a beer on this one, it just wasn't good. I mean, Lex's mobility could you could definitely see even here it's starting to go. Um, very, it's very '90s big man match. Um, s- magically, it's 2001 in Nashville, and the crowd was definitely into it though. They, they were, were, I mean, they were hot for this match for sure, which is insane to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I did pop for the disguise, even though I totally fucking thought it was Sean Stasiak. I don't know why I thought that, but I totally did. Um, but yeah, what can I say? WCW is going to WCW. I gave it a, I gave it a, a beer or half a beer. I think, yeah, half a beer. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, let's hop back over here to TNA. Let's keep it going. Keep it rolling here. We got a, another very uncomfortable promo from bully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of the point. I know that he wants to be just a true heel and wants really people to hate him, but I don't know if that's, I don't know. It got real cringy there. Um, but the promo package was, I thought, was pretty good for, for the match itself. Jesse, what do you think about the bully promo here? Dude, I mean, talk about some shit you can't do now, which a lot no, of these shows are full no, of. No, 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 no. This is yeah. only 10 years ago. Yeah. Poor Christy Hemme, her entire time in TNA, she was subject to shit like this. Like, there was this whole angle with Billy Gunn real early on where he's just in the middle of the ring talking about how she's worthless and women are only good for one thing and like blah, 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 blah. And I mean, it, I remember watching that not that long ago. I can't recall exactly what year off the top of my head, but I want to say it was like 05 or 06. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. And here we are five or six years later and the same fucking thing's happening with Bully Ray. It was just kind of, yeah, you know, wow. um, now I know he's in character. I'm not talking shit on Bully Ray. I think, no, of I mean, course. Obviously, yeah. I think it's a different time. It's a different thing. And, whatever but it was it was definitely jarring and unsettling but i agree on the video promo package i thought it was a good build for this i mean this this kind of feud you got to think about the history of this team and everything going into it. it's fucking monumental man yeah no i totally agree what do you think about this bully ray promo here with christy hemi he's got to like pen to the wall wex how do you feel about it yeah a little, little bit uncomfortable yeah these days but yeah like i say jesse like i can agree with what jesse said that different time things are a little bit different at that point but for looking at that in my current perspective i was like yeah yeah a little weird there yeah a little weird to say the least uh but the match here is going to be bully ray versus brother devon uh and it's a straight brawl and guys like against my better judgment like I'm not saying that this bell to bell was a great match, but I was in it. I was like, they, they hooked me in with the promo package. It was really good. I was like invested in it. It felt like there were stakes. Uh, I thought that was kind of genius booking for the heel to entice the face. Like, cause like the way, the way they built this up is like, he really wants to beat the shit out of this guy's kids. And like, but then when you find out, like he just wanted him in the match so he could pin one of them. It's like, that's genius, shitty heel booking. Like that's really smart booking. Um, I mean, and how awesome was it for those teen kids to kind of get the rub? And honestly, dude, anytime Bully did get his hands on those kids, he beat the shit out of those kids. Like he was not pulling any punches. He was not pulling any anything on the power bomb. He whacked the hell out of them damn kids. 
And um, yeah, I, I I loved it, guys. I loved this whole match. I liked the post match. I thought they really sold it well. They really drew it out to try to get the the and maybe a little too long, maybe a little too long. But um, I mean, four and a half years for me. I really really enjoyed this Bully Ray versus Devon outing. Um, Jesse, what do you think about it, man? Dude. I, you know, brawl. Yes, we all expected that. Look at these guys. That's what they always do. Yeah, yeah. What I really loved is the fact that they employed a whole bunch of weapons, and you couldn't, you know, both guys employed quote unquote heelish tactics if it were any other match. But in this match, they did a really good job of maintaining the heel face dynamic throughout. Yes, yes, and yes. Bully is fucking masterful at it. Yes. And one of those talk about creating an emotional moment in the ring. I mean, that whole thing at the end where you know he looks like he wants to give some sympathy and everybody's kind of hoping for the, uh, they're going to make up. And then he just fucking annihilates the kid is one of those bits of booking that is just absolute genius. And it proves that bully Ray has a mind for this business that a lot of people have never taken advantage of. And I think that that's kind of criminal. Um, this match was fucking great. The way that he was dressing him down the entire time, the way that they paced the whole thing, I thought it was, excellent psychology for the type of match that it was. And I expect nothing less from these two. I did. I only gave it three and a half just because there are limits to the type of match that this is going to be. Yeah. But I thought for what it was, it was fucking great. Yeah. Agreed. Wex, where are you at on the bully versus Devon here? Again, literally the exact same rating as Jesse three and a half. Wow. And I thought this was like, yeah, exactly. Like for what it was for the type of match, like, of course that it's not going to be like a bell to bell, like classic in ring wise, but like everything else that went on in the match was fucking great. Like I really loved how bully Ray was overly screaming hard for like the kendo stick shots. And like, it was a nice brutal shot to the head. And I, it's really cool. The fact that his kids, or now a tag team TNT who've actually had matches on AEW Dark and stuff. Yeah, yeah which I cool. think that's great because technically they've already made they made their debut in 2011 against Bully Ray. Yeah, because they were taking some bumps. Like, like you said, he wasn't like he wasn't being like nice and soft. He was definitely going pretty stiff and hard on him. And I think one <laughs> thing that took it away it could have potentially got the whole four beers for me. But when Bully Ray he got hit. Remember, he got hit in the dick or in the balls. He got hit in the balls. So, you know, you know the balls. He kept for a yes, while. Yes, I do know the balls. Okay, for a while. <laughs> so you'll definitely agree with this for a while. Okay, well, you know the he balls. Init- he initially was holding his dick, holding his dick, and that's okay. But then, <laughs> after a few seconds, the pain's not going to be in your dick anymore. And he kept holding his dick way too long. After the pain creeps on up into your stomach. And that's where the real pain kicks in. And there's no way you're not going to be holding on to your dick anymore. And he's he's not selling the dick kick the right way. Oh God, I feel like this is a record number of 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 dicks in the show. I think that that's a record number of the time that we've used the word dick in the show. I think it's a, I think we used it so many times that Wex accidentally muted himself on the show here. <laughs> <coughs> That goddamn that got me. Okay, I don't know how the fuck that happened, but uh, we got yeah. I really like to get the tables popped. That was fun. This was just overall a really fun match, and like I said, three and a half beers, the exact same as Jesse. If we got the proper ball sell and a few other minor little things that could have gave a little bit more, but yeah, everything was great. 
Man, Can I interject it. something here? Yes, please. We definitely need a YouTube video somewhere on our account of Wex breaking the loss and demonstrating how to properly sell ball pain. Yes, yes. it's uh, it's, like, it's you nice. Know, yeah. it, initially, you know, the hit's gonna hurt when it hits. Like, oh, and but then you know, you know, the pain creeps on up, right? <laughs> like right in there in the stomach. So you're like, oh. Oh man! Speaking of the pain that creeps up, the next match on the card here in 2001 is Lance Storm <laughs> versus Ernest the Cat Miller, and um. God, I I love Landstorm, man. I really do. But I, I he is utter garbage on the mic. That dude should just never talk on a mic ever. It's just not it's not in his wheelhouse. It's not what he's good at. I mean, honestly, one of the absolute worst on the mic. It's kind of crazy how good he is in the ring and just be that bad on the mic. But it it is what it is. Um, and the cat is really not much better at all either. Uh, but Nashville fucking loved the guy. I don't really know why, but they. I mean, dude, this Ernest Miller was the most over wrestler on this show and for the live crowd. Don't know how. Don't know how. I uh, can't explain it. Won't defend it. Uh, not for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the match itself is what you would expect. It wasn't great. Lance did his best to kind of carry him through the bell-to-bell stuff. Uh, I mean, well, this is what happens when you put a comedy guy against a technical wrestler. It's just not going to be great. Uh, at least it was short. And the crowd popped huge for Miller. So because the crowd was into it, and somehow Ernest the Cat Miller kept him into it, I gave this match two beers. Um, God, Wex, you know what? You're on a fucking hot streak right now, buddy. Tell me what you thought about Landstorm versus Ernest the Cat Miller here. Like you said, the crowd was into it, so it kind of had me into it. It was a fun time. It was, I really love the like all Ernest the Cat Miller's classic shit that he does, his little karate type shit, and I really love the contrast of styles of Lance Storm being serious, but I guess kind of joking when he's doing his little uh, commissioner shtick, but you know the serious style versus the full fun i mean not full fuck i mean the fun loose like kung fu style and one thing that really made me pop is when he did like the sunset flip when he did the sunset flip attempt and started doing the suckets i was like oh. all right made the crowd pop even harder i went two and a half beers two and a half beers on this one wex just dribbling a little too much there jesse where are you at on this one Man, I thought – so I love both of these guys for completely different reasons. I think Ernest the Cat Miller, while he was never the best quote-unquote wrestler, I always thought that he was a pretty good performer with – I mean – For sure. For sure. Fucking zero experience in the ring really overall, you know? I mean complete experience in the real karate world or whatever, but like no Kara- real pro wrestling experience, quote-unquote. Karate. Karate. Um, I've always thought that he was a really good performer though. So and he's he does have the charisma thing down. He doesn't have the best promos, but they're fucking entertaining most of the time. I'm not exactly sure why Lance Storm was a Power Ranger, but who fucking knows? Storm, obviously, we all love for the same reasons. Bell to Bell, incredible worker, one of the smoothest guys that you've ever seen in the fucking ring, and yep. it just the mic thing never came about, you know? Yeah. Um I thought there was a lot of solid work when they were in the ring. Unfortunately for me, they were out of the ring way too much, especially yeah. to, I mean, Storm didn't really stand a chance in a largely outside of the ring environment like that. Like, you know, it just didn't yeah. really make a lot of sense. We get our favorite ring name above average Mike Sanders in for the distraction with, uh, you know, Miss Jones, AKA Nitro Girl Chameleon goes for the uh, interaction with Mike Sanders. Cat nails the feliner for the win. It, 
to me, it didn't really do anything to help either guy. Cat was just as over for the win as he was when he walked out of the fucking curtain. I, you know, this was kind of flat for me. I gave it a beer point seven five. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I feel like that's generous, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Let's let's keep let's keep going here. Let's jump back over to TNA, and the next match on the card is uh, kind of honestly probably should have been the main event. It's Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Angle. With the custody of the kids here, uh, man, lots of weird stuff with kids on this show, I guess. Um, yeah, this is just awkward, to say the least. Uh, the Jeff Jarrett promo before the match was real bad. Uh, I don't know why that guy ever had a live mic in front of his face. It also seems like it's not on the Lance Storm level. It just seems like he fucking rambles. And he rambles like, let me tell you something, like he's still in 1986. Um, it's just not, a, it's, not, it's not the best at all. Uh, but the match here is very different. The match, however, the bell-to-bell match here, I defy you. I defy you to tell me that there was actually a better match on either card. I think that this was the best match of both shows. I absolutely loved it. The sloppy seconds chant popped me so hard on the couch. Like, God, I absolutely loved it. Uh, And the match was just really good. The stakes were there. The, The emotion was there. Regardless of how ridiculous the angle was both performers pulled it off really well in the ring and the crowd was into it for sure i thought it was really well booked the, i mean some really great false finishes not just like good like finishes that i thought were the end of the match that weren't like on more than one occasion and that's that's hard to do when you can pop the smart marks on it you know what i mean um but just stealing the win and then kurt kind of retires I'm sorry, guys, but I marked out for this. I gave it six fucking beers. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it, it legit made me want to like find the next TNA TV in the in like the uh, the the Impact Plus app and watch it because I wanted to know. I, I remember this angle, but like, h- how did it pay off after this? You know what I mean? I don't really remember that. So I'm probably actually in my fucking rare spare time since we watch 18 fucking hours of wrestling every week for this show. <laughs> uh, my spare time, I'm gonna try to watch that, but. I loved it, guys. I'm I'm I marked out super hard. Love this is probably my favorite Jeff Jarrett match, Bell to Bell, I've ever seen. I'm not like no exaggeration. I I really really enjoyed this match. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Angle here? I definitely understand the argument for this being the best match on both cards. I I obviously favored that opening match on Super Brawl a little bit more. Um, but yeah. I fucking love this match. I agree that the promo sucked, but now let's lest we forget the stipulation is a double stipulation. So Jeff wins, or he gets Kurt to walk Karen down the aisle on March the 3rd for their wedding. Yeah. Kurt wins, he gets custody of his own children. And, uh, you know, that in and of itself is pretty outlandish, but at the same time, it's they, they take it seriously, though, when they're in the ring. The dynamic that they have, they put on a good wrestling match that got heated enough when it needed to to really sell the nature of the story. Yeah. Um, I thought Karen was surprisingly effective in her role on the outside. I thought the dynamic between the three of them was fucking great. And I can't imagine, given the real life nature of this situation, how difficult that probably was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I thought it was extremely uh, I mean, it was a great match. I agree on the false finish fest. It was kind of it had like it had that main event feel. This absolutely 110 percent should have been the main event. Yeah. And. I thought that the way that it ended was great because after all of those false finishes, the last thing you expect is somebody to just sit out to get the three, which is exactly what happened. I loved the note of laying down the boots and selling the disappointment and the entire thing, how Jeff and Karen healed it up after the end. 
I gave it five beers, and to be honest, the only reason I didn't give it six is because it wasn't the main. Okay, that's fair. I, that's fair. I, I, I can understand that completely, for sure. Honestly, the title should have been in that picture, too. Um, I mean, you could have done something different with Jeff and, and, and Anderson, considering the whole immortal stable angle. You could have just had a, a, the personal issue there. But, Wex, where are you at on this uh, this Jared versus Angle match? I'm almost up there with you guys. I went four and a half beers. It's my second favorite match out of both of the cards because my favorite one was the Rey Mysterio-Chavo Guerrero match. But, like, I mean, this match was, like, great. Like, from bell to bell, solid mat work from Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett. Like, I don't want to agree with you 100%, but this is definitely one of Jeff Jarrett's best match that's this is one of Jeff Jarrett's best matches I've ever seen. Definitely probably one of the best ones that we've covered on any of these podcasts for sure. The whole story is a little bit fucked up if you ask me because this is like a real life situation where Jeff Jarrett straight up was taking his wife like for real, for real. Yeah, I mean, straight up stole that. This is like some Matt Hardy edge Lita type deal. Like type but, B, you but, know? yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's but I mean, great, like, dude, some sick ass shit. That avalanche, like, release fisherman suplex that Kurt Angle did, and Kurt Angle, I'm pretty sure, was channeling his HBK 1997 at this point too. Oh yeah, he's oh Jeff too, buddy. Yeah. Oh, no, there, I'm, yeah. no, we already talked about Jeff, but and we're gonna get to some more of that. So we'll, no, of I'm talking about Jeff that. Jarrett, brother. Oh, uh, Jeff Jarrett was also. They were both like probably on like six perks a piece at least. Yeah, they were they were eating it up here. But I really love. Like you said, great work from Karen Angle Jarrett, except for when she went to go to the back rake on Kurt Angle's very sweaty-ass back, so there's no raking going on at all. It's just yeah. very funny. Just very, slid all the way. Just just slid all the way. Slid it up. Slid it up. <laughs> all right, well. Uh, but I like, the, I like the false finishes and everything. It really got heated and hyped at the end. Great match. Four and a half. Not quite as hype as you guys, but I was very hype on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. Let's uh, let's jump back over here to 2001. So these next. Okay. So uh, these I did rate them as two separate matches, and I will give both ratings, but I, I'd like to kind of keep them together. So we'll cover these next two matches here on a uh, on Super Brawl. It's a there's a kind of a, a pretty good. Package in the back for Jarrett and Paige, which uh, Jarrett kind of being in this situation also on this in the same world ten years earlier is kind of crazy. But here we are, and um, the you know DDP comes out, he's he's ready to have his match against Jeff Jarrett, and he's played this little clip of him saying that he would take on Canyon in any place, any time, or whatever. Um, and so yada yada yada, wrestling begats wrestling, and now we have DDP versus Canyon first. Um, so Jesse, what do you think about just the DDP versus Canyon part of this match? First off, I loved that fucking Tim and Eric like remix of DDP. Yeah, me too. Canyon. Me too. I did like that. Yeah, that video is dope. I don't understand. So the whole commissionership and that whole business obviously is convoluted throughout this card, and they're running all the faces out of the building and shit. And commentary can't stop selling it. Why the fuck's Jeff Jarrett just making matches all of a sudden? Like I know he says he got Ric Flair's seal of approval, but I thought that that was pretty confusing to the average viewer it just didn't make a whole lot of sense Jarrett stumbles on his promo on the fucking stage was admittedly he rambles and he sucks on the mic but he normally doesn't stumble so bad yeah but, uh, yeah kind of weird 
I like that they had Canyon do the sneak attack thing. Uh, there's zero paying attention to disqualifications. I mean, there's low blows. There's shit with the stairs. Just dubcdub.com. Uh, no sell on the Canyon cutter. No sell on the sky high. No sell on any of Canyon's offense. The Jared interference. The ugly ref bump. Yada, yada, yada. Canyon flatliner for the weird scrubby fucking convoluted win. I gave it two and a half just for this match. Mostly because Chris Canyon's offense can't be denied. The innovative yeah. aspect of it, it's absolutely great. We get a little bit of color. It advances the story, but the premise is kind of fucking lazy, and it wasn't a great match. Yeah, it wasn't great, uh, but I thought it was actually pretty good. I mean, Hudson and Shivani kind of kept talking in the beginning about this huge laceration on the side of Paige's face, and you could tell that like there was no blood there at the time. So you could, even though he did start bleeding more later... It was like you could tell that they were going by a script. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, they yeah. were being told to kind of talk about these points. And it, I don't know, that, that did kind of take me out a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, again, I had the same note. Like I just feel like Chris Canyon is just so, like so underutilized and underrated and should have just done so much more in the business. Probably would have ended up being one of the greatest trainers of all time um, if he had kind of kept going. But um, yeah, it's kind of, and it's honestly, it's kind of rare to see him get a big win. Uh, even with the Jared, the Jarrett interference here, um, I liked it more than I probably should have, to be honest with you. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I gave it three and a half beers. I, I really did like it a lot. Um, what what did you think about DDP versus Canyon, Wex? I enjoyed it. It's a, it was kind of right there in the middle for me. I gave it three beers. I thought it was a pretty solid match from both guys. I enjoyed the little sneak attack thing from behind the whole surprise match angle. I did find it very weird that DDP was wearing... Just plain black tights. He did yeah. that for a while. Yeah, he weird. did that. Yeah, the, like velvet black tights, which yeah, was weird. Yeah, I, I wasn't, wasn't, definitely wasn't a fan of that. At least it had a little diamond or something. It on felt that. very like circus carny y to me. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. The suede like pants just feels very vaudeville. Not to everybody me. can pull off the plane. Like, can't, just can't do that. But I did like that, uh, the move that Canyon did. I guess they call it the showstopper. I called it a skull crusher where he, where he did hit him where he was supposed to get busted open, like the move onto the steps. Yeah. 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 That was pretty sick. Like, Canyon definitely innovated with the offense. And I, I like that he hit the Canyon cutter into yeah. the diamond cutter. Yeah. Definitely sick match. And I like, I like, kept, what are they, what were they calling, uh, his guitar on commentary? The slap nuts. Yes, I, I forgot. We well, yeah, got so, something like that, but they it was yeah, it was it was fucking great, dude. Right there in the middle for me, three beers, lots of strokes, lots of and the flatliners, you know. Lots of strokes. Lots, lots of, of strokes. strokes. Lots of flat flatliners. Goodness gracious, get your mind out of the gutter. Let's keep this thing going though. Uh, I will say like, so after Canyon gets the win, he grabs the mic and he kind of does the entrance for Jared. And I thought it was pretty good heat. I thought he actually did really well on the mic. Um, but I mean, it's kind of the goal of, of the, of the whole thing was to get like cheap heat and it worked. I mean, the crowd was booing like crazy by the time Jared finally does come out. So mission accomplished guys, you know what I mean? Like you, they, they did it well. Um, and then we have, we actually have DDP versus Jared here. Um, man, Shivani taking uh, DDP in his lap was hilarious to me because he, oh, like, yeah. he was like patting him on his <laughs> tits like a couple times. He's like, oh, you're OK. Like patting him <laughs> like he was a baby. And he's just sitting there on the floor like a dad holding like a, you know, like a mentally challenged, like older like son or something. It just looked like really awkward. I don't know. It wasn't a 
It was just, it felt really uncomfortable to me. Hudson was trying to cover for him as well. And that was just even funnier. I don't know why I like literally laughed out loud so much at that moment. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Jared got it. I mean, Jared got his heat. A um, couple of decent false finishes in this one too. Um, I mean, hats off to Paige for sure. He worked his ass off, took a pretty straight chair shot to the dome as well. Overall, it it was better than I expected it to be. It was a little overbooked for sure, but it was highly entertaining, and I still enjoyed it. So I also gave this one three and a half beers. Jesse, what do you think about the DDP and Jarrett side of it? So it threw me off that when they started the match, it was like a brand new DDP that was not just beat up yeah. and lost yeah. a match. It was like, nothing happened. Here we are, round yeah. two. Um, it, it was it was weird for it to be so focused on the outside as well. I thought. I mean, obviously the rules are just not fucking in play. That's what Jared does time. too, though. You know, um, the <laughs> I don't know what we officially name this, but I feel like there's some kind of wordplay. But the DDP DDT does not break the table on the outside, which is super fucking awkward. It was the weirdest looking spot that I've ever seen. And then Jared, after getting DDT'd on the announce table. Just gets right the fuck back up and shoves DDP off of it when he tries to go for the diamond cutter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. completely no-sells the shit. Uh, you know, takes out his accomplice in Chris Canyon with the guitar by accident. Yes, I'm skipping that far ahead. The diamond cutter for the baby face playing from the bottom. I gave it two beers. I mean, it's it, classic heel advantage shit. Uh, lots of weapons, lots of no-selling. Overall flat because of it, I thought. But it was a decent build to the finish. You're sending people home happy. They wanted to see DDP win, and God knows they weren't going to be happy for the rest of the night. So, Yeah, that's 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 actually very, very true. Wex, where are you at on this DDP Jarrett side of things? I'm kind of like you. Uh, I gave it the exact same rating as my last one, three beers, because the fact that he just basically put on – he went eight minutes and then eight minutes again and put on like a pretty solid match both times. Yeah, DDP. I mean, he put in he put in some work right there, and like this shit with Jeff Jarrett was great. And like same thing I've noted about the diamond cutter attempt. I mean, the DD like DDT into the like when he fell. Uh, damn it, I can't talk right now. I have the same note that when Diamond Dallas Page fell into Tony Schiavone on commentary, and he was rubbing him and being all weird. I thought that was funny. Definitely oh, get, great. Getting that good rubbins in. Oh yeah, and then uh, shiny leather. Yeah, yeah. Tony Schiavone had seen so much, so many veins and so much shiny leather that he had to just give a little chest rub to old Diamond Dallas Page there. Tony yeah. Schiavone. He, he wanted to feel the bang, if you know what I'm saying. But definitely, I mean, they they worked the match great. You know, Jeff Jarrett basically whooped his ass the whole match until he made that comeback at the end. It was fucking solid. Three beers. He mean he went. He did an eight minute and another eight minute and. Definitely at least went about middle of the six-pack two times in a row, so you can't be mad at that. Can't be mad at that. Let's uh, let's jump on back over here to TNA against all odds. And uh, it's going to be the main event here of the evening. Uh, we got a really kind of another awkward promo from Ken Anderson on Jeff Hardy. I mean, people want to say, like, oh, man, we'll just let's just open it up and let all these wrestlers just talk and, like, just let them do their own thing again and, like, I mean, 10 years ago, I felt like that's what they were trying to do here because it didn't feel like it was scripted at all, and it was just not good. I mean, it was real bad. I felt like he was so far bunny trailing. It was like he was a fucking member of this show. Uh, but, yeah, the Ken Anderson promo was just not good at all. What did you guys think about this promo? Jesse, where are you at on it? 
I I love Anderson for the most part, and this promo just depressed the shit out of me. I just thought it was fucking devoid of anything and awful and again setting a bad tone going into this main event fucking TNA world title match on a yeah. pay-per-view. I mean talk like good lord. It was just nothing to it for me. Yeah. Wax, do you have any notes on this this uh, awful Ken Anderson promo here? I think uh, everybody uh was hanging out with Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy and uh Anybody else who was channeling their HBK 97 at this point, I think everybody was just dabbling in that shit. That's all yeah. I can say about this promo. It did kind of feel that way for sure. It felt like it felt very, very drugged out for this show. Um, but yeah, the the actual match on the card here is the ladder match. It's Jeff Hardy versus Ken Anderson for the TNA Heavyweight Championship with possibly the ugliest title belt of in the history of professional wrestling hanging above the ring. Um, Hardy being a heel... Uh, and Anderson being the face just instantly feels backwards, regardless of where he was at in his life. It just didn't make sense. Uh, it didn't make sense live to the crowd either. Uh, and I, honestly, it wasn't even really the work rate. It was so much that just it was bad positioning. It was bad booking for these guys to be in this position. Bad booking for these guys to be in this match. Um, God, I mean, sorry, Jeff. I love you, buddy. But I mean, just all the way down to the awkward entrance music. This was just not not good from from front to back. Uh, I mean, there were a couple of stiff bumps. I mean, that, that Russian leg sweep onto the ladder where he didn't even bounce. It was just like that looked heavy. That looked like it hurt pretty bad. The sunset power bomb was killer, too. Um, Ooh, a couple yeah. awkward spots in there as well, though. It, I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It just, I don't know. The finish was wonky. They tried to cover it as best they could. I know what they were trying to do, but Jeff Hardy was not coordinated enough to pull that kind of spot off at that moment in time. And, uh... Yeah, I gave it three beers right there in the middle for me. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this uh, TNA championship ladder match? So this entire era of TNA, here, here's – this isn't even on this show, but this is where Hulk Hogan starts to lose stock to me because the whole angle that created this fucking belt and the concept is that Jeff Hardy turned heel and joined Immortal, and Hulk Hogan gifted him that belt. Yeah, with his face on it. fucking Hogan – yeah. put his hands on that monstrosity and used it as a gift. Like that just blows my mind. The, the mere concept of it. He travels with it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. Oh, I know. Yeah. He travels with that belt yeah. to this day. Yes. Yeah. When I booked it at Springwater, they had it on him. Yep. The, uh, it, kidding me. That's the worst bullshit ever. The Lisa Frank world title, everybody. Yeah. Uh, the Lisa Frank world title. Jeff's entrance music, courtesy of his own band, Peroxygen. Yes, that is their name, Peroxygen. Um, I don't want to be harsh, so I'll reserve my opinion. Ken Anderson is clearly going for his stone cold phase here. Yeah. To me, that's exactly what the the thing that he was trying to land on, and just it just didn't. Yeah, you know, Jeff Hardy like flipping off Jeff Hardy as fat signs and fans in the crowd and stuff and trying his best to be a heel. He just can't be a fucking heel. Yeah. You can't jump off that much shit and expect the crowd to boo you. Like yeah. over, it's just not gonna happen. And his whole fucking gimmick in TNA was all right, we got the same thing. Mine's painted though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I, there's just nothing to it at all. There's nothing yeah. for anybody to latch onto or give a fuck about. There were some great moves. I mean, most of them, Daniel, you already mentioned. 
the little uh, rope hung twist of hate onto the ladder. Um, it was kind of the first early thing where I was like, that was still a little stiffsky. Didn't look yeah. really good. Yeah. Commentary the entire time just seemed like they weren't even, uh, there was just no energy to it at all. I mean, from the tail of the tape through the end of the match, there was just very little. Like, Tanae and Taz both just seemed like they couldn't. They're spent. They were spent after that, you know, selling that Jarrett angle. And then not only that, but doing all that downtime commentary during the Devon and Bully, like, aftermath. Yeah. It took, like, 15 minutes to get them damn kids out of the ring. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, did, I totally it, started skipping over them just bullshitting around the God, ring. It took like, forever. Right, it was forever. Match. But they were they were completely out of it for this main event. There was just no gas left in the tank. And I mean, I kind of feel the same way about the performers a little way in. I mean, it, it was they one thing that takes my least favorite thing in a fucking ladder match is when you go for the you make that climb attempt for the belt too early in the match. It's like, look, yeah. man, you guys have been in there for 60 seconds. You've done two moves. Why are you fucking pretending that this is going to be? I know you're setting up for a spot, you fucking moron. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just don't like it at all. Yeah. Um, I always call that sunset flip spot the RVD and Eddie spot. I don't know yeah. if they're the first ones that did it in a ladder match, but from that Raw match, that's what I always remember it from. Yeah. Hell fucking yes. That Green Bay plunge onto the ladder was also, I got to give that. Insane. That looked yeah. fucking rough, but it was a smooth-looking spot, but it yeah. also looked like it fucking hurt. Yeah. And then my other least favorite thing in a ladder match, when you set up two ladders at the same time, it only makes sense if the same guy doesn't set up both ladders. Like, if you set up a second ladder because you're trying to catch the fucking guy or something, I can understand that. Yeah, but I just know I, I, what, agree. I know what you're working on. Again, you're just telegraphing the whole thing for me. And- Although, I, okay, that same when that same spot happened, what popped me, and I literally giggled, was I was like, dude, why the fuck would you set up two ladders unless you're setting up a spot? And so in Jeff Hardy's sweet little baby precious mind, he was like, okay, well, I'll literally climb up both of them. I'll just yeah. put one. Foot. I was like, oh, look at him being cute. Like, it's like, oh, no, it makes sense, guys. I yeah. can, if I got two, I can get up twice as fast. But, right. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, obviously the motherfucker can climb a ladder. He's done it before. Oh, so Jesus. it is what it is. Um, obviously, we all know what they were going for with the finish. It was not a great cover up. Um, <laughs> but, not at all. Not you know. At all. They got through it. The bell rang. That's probably the best part about this match. Uh, I gave it two beers, and I I wanted to give it more, but, man, it should not have been the main event. If this match was higher up on the card, even if it was for the title, it still would have been better off. Yeah, what did you think about uh, Ken Kennedy versus Jeff Hardy here, buddy? Or Ken Anderson? or Mr. Mr. Ken Anderson, yeah, but... uh. This match was, I mean, for for Jeff Hardy being as faded out of his mind as he was, I mean, he pulled off some pretty impressive moves, yeah. I will say. Yeah, because yeah, this is the show right before he got so pilled out that Sting that had to Sting, shoot on him. Like, literally, yeah. yeah, fucked his ass up. And, and the, <laughs> another thing that really upset me, like, how many other good, re- like, on both shows, actually, how many good wrestlers they had signed they didn't actually use on these shows, but... Besides the point, this match, I mean, it wasn't the best ladder match of all time, but it wasn't really the worst either. And I love how Taz kept saying, oh, these are real ladders. These are real ladders. Just kept kept selling that on commentary. And I was like, I was like, okay, okay, it's a real ladder, Taz. It's a real ladder. But, you know, we had some nice moves like the classic back body drop where Ken Anderson hits the ladder and bounces like three feet in the air. And then he hit the, um, the was it a flat liner? On the ladder, yeah. Jeff Hardy? Yeah, another one, yeah. You know, 
not the best, Jeff Hardy. If he wouldn't have pilled out, he probably could have boosted a little bit more. But yeah, three beers for me, just right there. A, a middle-of-the-road ladder match. Jeff Hardy could do a lot better. You guys know. We all know. Yeah, no, I agree. He could do better. Uh, but let's jump back over here to 2001 and finish off this show with this main event here. And I don't know if these guys could do any better than what, what happened here. It's Scott Steiner versus Kevin Nash. Uh, Rick Flair kind of joins on the commentary table and that's fucking hilarious. Uh, Buffer did a phenomenal job as always. Like Buffer as a ring announcer was just classic kind of helped make WCW WCW. Uh, and this God Steiner's promo, Jesus Lord in heaven, man. It's just, Whew. I mean, dude, 2001 Steiner with a live mic in his hand is trouble, and it just wasn't a it, it, God. I mean, the, the video of Sid's leg, to how much they used that too, was just rough. Um, I mean, Kevin Nash being wheeled out by two Blink 182 nurses that popped me. Um, I mean, Jesus, this whole thing was just a like circus show it wasn't even like a match really like i don't know i mean the actual bell to bell was what probably five six minutes maybe at most it was fucked it was (laughs) wild man i mean dude okay and then like the immediate pin that happens uh and nash kind of becomes champion for a second and then flair literally says whoa 36 times in the mic and uh (laughs) of course it's like a two out of three falls and then there's just stipulation after stipulation Oh, God. And then Medeja fucks up the finish, like, twice. And then Nash, like, dude. Oh, God. When Nash, like, sidewalk slammed her, I, like, lost my mind. I, like, literally gasped. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I was like, good Lord. Like, that is just, that would not, you could not. Like, oh. And, of course, we had to get that ultimate low blow, the low blow that has to be in there, that nut shot. But I feel like Nash did sell it well. He sold it up in his gut, just like yeah, wet, he did. He did. He did. So, he, I will agree. Nash did sell his his nut shot well. For me, it was ugly, but it was also nostalgic. So I gave it two beers, and I feel like two beers for this is like as generous as anyone could ever be for that. Um, Jesse, where are you at on Scott Steiner versus Kevin Nash here? I mean, again, they go with the long promo, like the long in ring segment, the fucking way too long in ring segment. And I noted that they brought the champ out first, and I understand that they've been teasing all night that Nash wasn't going to be here. And, like, going into the show, they even said, this main event may not even happen on all of their weekly TV. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, that (laughs) completely goes against all conventional rules of wanting to promote people buying the pay-per-view. Like, oh, well, we may not have a main event, so let's go ahead and buy that show. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, hey guys, buy this show. Even though Booker T, Goldberg, and Kevin Nash are the three wrestlers on the show, and not all, like none of them are going to be there. Maybe Kevin Nash, but definitely not the other guys. Right. Yeah. Let's let's sell that. Um, I thought Steiner kicking Buffer out of the ring was fucking priceless. When he just like tells him to get the fuck out of the way or whatever. Wild. <laughs> like, yeah. And and we do. I will say this. We do disagree about Steiner. See, this is where I think Steiner finally got a line on the fact that his promos were ridiculous and started leaning into it. Again, I don't think a lot of this shit is accidental. I think he knows that he can't talk on a mic, and he's just basically wearing it like a fucking one of the crazy-ass tattoos on his chest. Like, it. I love this era of Scott Steiner. I think that if he had the opportunity to continue to flourish in 2001, I think that it actually might have gone somewhere. I know that sounds fucking nuts, but— That's fucking nuts. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, man. I like I don't know. It's uh, rose colored glasses, rear view mirror. I don't know what the fucking phrase is. <laughs> um, 
replaying Sid's break so many times was a bit much. That was one of those things that like the minute that I saw them start to do it, I was like, oh man, how long am I going to have to look away? And he's like, play it again. I'm like, holy fuck. I mean, by this time, the guy can't work again for the rest of his fucking life. And you're just using it in an angle against another yeah. guy in a yeah, wheelchair. I, say, I feel like I'm pretty sure Sid sued and won for that. Oh, I'm sure he probably if he didn't, I hope I mean, I hope he didn't. If he didn't, I hope he does because, you know, somebody there. Well, I guess he can't sue WWF for a creative decision. But anywho, um, Flair gets in the ring, waste a bunch of time reversing the wheelchair angle on Nash's part. He does drop a really good quote from Tombstone that I thought was pretty slick. Um, he had to get the one pin. You know, Nash has to get about a pin per show, I feel like, in, <laughs> in this last <laughs> year of wcw yeah. you gotta make sure it happens some fucking how they pulled a you know they direct rip off vince mcmahon with the nope it's a false count anywhere match now and shit like just yeah, open yeah, the mic yeah. authority figure stuff i thought that was obvious and cheap and stupid and fucking no one cared about this him side slamming medasia was the best part of this fucking match um, by a mile yeah, it's a zero nice. zero zero beers for me all the fucking way. I believe I know there's Hogan Warrior, which technically didn't go on last. I think this might be the worst main event in the history of WCW. Ooh, ooh, that's saying that's a bold something. Claim. I don't know about that. I, I really don't know about that. Very I'm not going to swear on it, but I'd be interested to know what the other candidates are. Wex, where are you at on Scott Steiner versus Kevin Nash here? Ooh, man. Uh. Like you said, the excessive amount of times they kept playing Sid's leg it was obvious that Scott Steiner had no simpy for his leg or no simpy for uh, him, period. If you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, you know, what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Damn it, Wex. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, goddamn. Fl- hey, 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 but you know what I mean, though, right? <laughs> but yeah, Ric Flair. Like literally, damn near blew a gasket, going whoa, 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 whoa. Like I was like, Jesus! No, I literally, no, like, I've how, how much it's coke did y'all do times. before you he guys says came it out? Thirty-six here. times, without exaggeration, he says whoa, thirty-six times. It's amazing. How many bumps of coke did you do? This is this was not the eighties. This was two thousand one. How much? How hype were you at this point, Rick? Nah, they had Rick, the same Rick, fucking, bro. They had the same doctors that TNA did in 2011. You know what I'm saying? Bro, Rick, okay, Rick yeah. does. Rick legit wakes up hype though. Like that dude wakes up hype. But yeah, this match was literally utter nonsense. Like exactly like you said, they kept literally ripping off the Vince McMahon thing with the false count anywhere. It was just bullshit. And like the one thing at the very end, like after the Steiner recliner and the tap out and then goes, it's over. And Tony Schiavone goes, Oh, this sucks. And I was like, yeah, this does fucking <laughs> suck, dude. One beer. This fucking sucks. <laughs> Tony Schiavone. God, you got to love his candor. You got to love it. All right, boys. Well, we're here. We got, we made it through both shows. Um, you know, this is how we do it on the kayfabe comparison on the nostalgia side of things. We have to go uh, with one show it has to be the kayfabe comparison winner here has to go over and one show has to do the job. I, uh, I, I, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean TNA a little bit, actually. I think I'm going to leaning slightly. It's ever so slight. I'd say maybe, maybe half a beer, but I'm leaning TNA. Jesse, where you at on it? God, it's not by a lot, but I got to go. I got to agree. Um, a WCW show really only had two matches that were even somewhat worth a shit, you know? 
Yeah, nice. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'd say like three or four, actually. Because, I mean, some of that DDP stuff with Canyon, I really enjoyed. So I did enjoy it. See, here's the thing. I wish that had just been the match. They got in a yeah, little totally. bit more agreed. time. They just agreed. left Jarrett the fuck out. You know? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, and I, I would have been a little bit more for it. But in this case, man, yeah, I got to lean TNA. Totally agree on that. Wex, where are you at, man? Are we doing it unanimous here, or are you, are you going with WCW? I mean, I'm going over my ratings, and if you go behind all my ratings, it's, it's got it's to be TNA. Yeah. Yeah, so the unanimous, unanimous winner here has got to be TNA against all odds, 2011. And guys, here we are at the end of the show. You guys know us. We're here. We're drinking beer. We're having a good time. We're enjoying the uh, the fruits of the earth. And um, now we have to talk about the uh, full lineup of people that are going to be at the Revive Pro Show. And let's just say Wex is not completely sober. So I'm really excited to see who all is going to be on this show, Wex. I want you to run them down as fast as you possibly can. And try not to mispronounce anybody's name. All right, yes. we're going to get right to this as soon as this Google document will open up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to start this off. The Monster of the Midway, David Knox, the number one entrant. Number two, Tyler Cocanthorn. Number three, Toby Farley. Number four, Jeremy Travis. Number five, Wrestling's Last Hero, Adam McCormick. I don't even know what number I'm at at this time. We're just going to say the name. Gregory Cordell <laughs> McDaniel. He got the five, boys and girls. He got the five. Brent <laughs> Powers. Our wrestling father himself, Carrie Awful. Rock Dog, D-A-W-G, Rocky McDaniel. Draven Lee. Yee. Okay. Logan Combs. Jacob Gotch, Joey Gotch, the Gotch Brothers. Hashtag perfection, the Revive Pro King of the Canvas champion, Andrew Thomas, not to be confused with the referee who was just on that TNA show we just watched. <laughs> the big pitcher, Mike Jablonski. I hope I said that right. <laughs> and a... A good old classic that I watched uh, many times with old Josephus down there at the stadium in Jeremiah Plunkett. Hell yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm impressed, Wex. I'm impressed. He does well under pressure. Jesse, what do you, you got? Any more to add on this revived pro show? Man, I'm just really excited about it. Fighting Spirit was a tournament concept that's very strongly aligned with uh, not only Nashville and Southern Wrestling in general, but it, it, it's something that's worth making a comeback. It's for a very good cause. Again, uh, the family and funeral expenses of Tommy Lee Davis. Saturday, March 13th at the Stables in Centerville, Tennessee. Ten bucks gets you in. It's only an hour outside of Nashville or so. You get back early. It's great family fun because it's all ages. We're doing masks. We're doing the social distance thing. Wexley and I will both be on the commentary booth for this particular event. We couldn't be more stoked. I think that, you know, the only other thing to say is continue to follow revive pro wrestling on Facebook to watch for daily announcements as more competitors are unveiled. And it's really going to be a fantastic event. You can't miss it. 
Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I really hope you guys, uh, you know, go, get a chance to go check that out. It's very rare to be able to go to a live wrestling show right now, so hopefully you guys can take advantage of that and also support a really good cause. And you know, as rumor has it, uh, if time goes on, this relationship between kayfabe comparisons and Revive Pro could evolve into more. Maybe your boy, uh, Mr. Know It All, Daniel John Schaefer, gets involved a little bit more here and there, and we bring the entire my holy trinity. Uh, to revive pro i i think there's a lot of opportunities there i'm super excited about it but what i'm what i'm also really excited about is what we have next on the agenda here for the kayfabe comparisons podcast i am super excited to finally have another aew pay-per-view to cover next week's show we're covering aew revolution and it's going up against a five-year anniversary show. It's going to be NXT TakeOver Dallas from 2016. That one, that, I mean, guys, that's like peak NXT time. This is before they're on TV like every week. This is still when they are literally the darlings of the underground. Remember that time when WWE made us think that they were darlings of the underground with NXT? They really pulled it off. How amazing that they did that. It's really impressive, honestly. Um, I'm super, super hyped for this. Of course, there's tons of shit on Revolution I want to see. Exploding barbed wire match. I mean, I fucking hate John Moxley, but I will definitely watch and pay to see him blown up. I really hope that happens. Um, God, there's just so much other great shit that's coming on here. Um, you got, uh, you know, MJF, you know, Jericho going up against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. I'm super excited about everything they have booked on AEW Revolution. I know we have uh, Joe and Finn headlining this NXT TakeOver Dallas show. I do believe this is the Aleister Black debut as well. Um, lots of really cool shit happening here. Argue, honestly, now that we look back at it, this might actually be the uh, beginning of the end of cool NXT, to be completely honest, uh, at least for a, a while before a couple other faces came in. But, uh, Jesse, what do you got to add to this, man? How pumped are you for Revolution? I mean, I can't wait. I'm always happy to have another AEW pay-per-view come around the corner. They're just they're doing the right thing by keeping them spaced. It keeps me interested. It's easier to downplay a lot of the WWE cards at this point and shit on the talent, and they're just so overexposed Yes. Yeah. versus the AEW situation. So I just yeah. think that there are a lot of uh, really big possibilities with how they could use various talents. There are some contracts coming up. There are some things in play. There are some weird forbidden doors and stuff. I think that there's a lot of stuff that could potentially go down and they may be able to make the news yet again. So I can't wait. And that NXT show is a fucking classic. Yeah. I'm super, super, super pumped to watch it. We're actually going to, I feel like we're actually, it's rare on this show, but we're going to get to do a KFM comparison where we know we're going to get some really good wrestling to watch. And that's, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, Wex, uh, what do you got here? Now I'm pretty excited for AEW revolution. The next coming up, episode of dynamite which will be tomorrow for us this episode will be already be on a saturday at this point this episode of dynamite will have already aired but it's the crossroads episode where cody rhodes is going to take on Shaq and arrested to see if the big show is going to get involved in any way which i'm pretty sure he will because i mean oh, i feel yeah. like it's the perfect setup i mean they oh, announced yeah. the signing if they're kind of like feed me a little seed like planning it like all right we're going to show right here. The big show is going to pop up. But yeah. Mark my words. The next, there. the next big show, like big capacity with people. I mean, because guys, thank God we are. It does. I mean, if you look at the, the charts, it does look like we are kind of starting to turn the curve here. And hopefully we can, you know, just stay on the course at least to get through the summer. And maybe hey, we'll Texas be good to open. go. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> Texas they are. Is fucking never closed, bro. Texas never closed. Um, but anyway. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, mark my words, I believe they're going to save Shaq and Big Show for the first big, you know, pun intended, big show that they have in front of people. Yeah, the, um, the real match. I feel like he could get involved just to just to set it up. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully this this you know makes an angle out of it. Uh, but yeah, and then two weeks out, we're calling another little audible here. We kind of came up with an idea. We 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 fumbled around as we've been trying to make some more creative shows for you guys, and we're doing a list on our actual main feed here. Uh, before we start doing our Patreon, we're going to give you a little taste of what kind of formats you might uh, hear on our Patreon. So um, this 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 March uh, the the March twentieth show for you guys is going to be our top five best and top five worst ever WrestleMania matches. I am super excited to do that. It'll kind of kick off uh, the beginning of WrestleMania season for us on the Kayfabe Comparisons podcast as well. Uh, I'm really hype about it, man. Jesse, what do you, I mean, I'm actually more hype about worst. Like, I feel like if if we have to dig and find the worst ever WrestleMania matches, like, I feel like that's going to be fun. I can't wait for that one. And I mean, going back through some of those old shows, man, there is just, a lot of cannon fodder, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, uh, best and worst, you know, there's a lot of material for best and there's a lot of material for worst. So I'm kind of excited to see what we all land on. Wex, our first ever list show for the, uh, for the main, the main line here for the main everyday listener. What do you, what do you expect from this one? I expect some, uh, some high points and some very, very, very low points. That's fair. That's fair to say. It's very fair to say. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. Please actually write the review, too. I've seen, like, we have gotten more five-star reviews, and we definitely appreciate that, too. But if you can take just a couple seconds on your phone and do the actual, like, write the review. The rating is great, but if you can leave a review and just – all you have to do is just leave the comment of the show that you like, a show that that was memorable to you that you want us to cover. We'll shout you out on the show. Uh, We really want that to happen. We appreciate the upticks and listens. If it could take you like 30 seconds, just go ahead and hit that button. Give us that five stars. His voice is so sexy, and I love listening to him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Listen to me trying to be professional on a Wex, just fucking it all up. The saucy Wex. But, yeah, man, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak, and you can always find the show at kfabe.com on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really do much on Facebook other than sell houses. So uh, if you want to talk about wrestling, hit me up on Instagram or on uh, the Twitter. And uh, Jesse Baker, where can folks find you? On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Jesse Baker Nash. On Facebook, it's just regular old Jesse Baker. Yay. And Wex, break it down, baby. You can find me on the Instagram and the YouTube at Wex Breaking the Lawson and on Twitter at Wex Breaking the. Check me out. Check him out with his veins. Maybe sometime his shiny leather. That's a Ooh, fucking veins and voice. leather, baby. It's gonna take me a while to get that leather. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, my, my, on. Oh. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Huh?